Blog Talk Radio. No, it's not going to play, Burn. <laughs> it's the answer to that. <sighs> and it's also do the countdown till it plays after. <laughs> so, yeah, I swear to did this on the last time Burn was on. I press play for the intro and silence, and they have to wait a minute, and it will play. Don't you worry. <laughs> I just got to be asked to sit listening, waiting in complete silence. So now I'm waffling on, not actually starting the show, but waiting for it to tick along. But Burns here. Just has performance anxiety. <laughs> Burns here. Burn can say hello, and he could get interrupted this time. I can say we probably need a new intro since one, this one's not playing correctly, and number two, Ted Dillinger's not even on the show anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought it was to start with. We can call it P10 Live. I was like, oh, what's oh, the P stand for? No. <laughs> P10 Live. <laughs> oh, God. How <laughs> that? You are not in charge of naming the show. <laughs> I think there's a reason that we waited until, like, before we got to the recording. So, oh, yeah, we haven't got a name, and then just loads of random <laughs> ideas. <laughs> this one happened to... Right, the thing's not played at all. I don't want to... I'm, I'm not starting the show on purpose, because it's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it never does. going to ramble for, like, a half hour. Like, I don't think it's coming. <laughs> last, time, last time is when I officially started the show, and then it started playing, and... <laughs> We've got so much to talk about. I'm going to have to start eventually. <laughs> uh, I'm doing my proper intro. We'll see how this goes. Hello and welcome. My name is... <laughs> That might be a delay record. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and I knew I was saying the entire time, as soon as I start my intro, it's gonna play. <laughs> and it back in did. <laughs> oh, and she had a little stroke at the start. Ten, ten, ten. <laughs> uh, anyway, hello and welcome. My name is Matt Mayer, aka the Implications, columnist of the Imps Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net, and your perfect ten listening host right here on Laws of Pain Radio. And as Ben was pointing out, a bit of a redundant name now. We need to come up with a better one. So, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yes, and I am joined by Burn, who is back for this next little couple of months as a thing where he's got time to actually do it. Imp's <laughs> <laughs> Imp trying to rival the nearest here in his number of titles. <laughs> the host of the podcast, the wrestler of the main page. <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't get the reference if I call myself the David Starr of podcasting. <laughs> it wouldn't I mean anything would to you. That's a very British name. <laughs> he's American. He's Jewish. <laughs> he's very un. He's not English at all. <laughs> uh, some people will get it. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> tonight we're recapping. Oh, I'll pick that up. Tonight we're recapping WrestleMania Week 2019 in all of its glory. And by in all of its glory, I mean skipping over quite a lot of it because there's so damn much. So we've got NXT TakeOver, WrestleMania itself. Uh, I wanted to quickly talk about some of the outside world of WrestleMania weekend as well, because it's become this whole type of thing that takes over the week. It's not just WWE anymore. And then, of course, we've got more on SmackDown and that lot. So did you have something to say before we jump right into it? Nope. We have way too much to talk about. Yeah. I've booked three hours. 
just in case. However, that would lead me to 4 a.m., so I'd rather not. Oh. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So first off, NXT TakeOver, which is live Friday night. I was very, very ill, so I've had to re-watch bits of it so that I know what on earth to talk about. We had five matches. All of them were great. <laughs> so before we get into it, would you say, Byrne, that this was an all-time great TakeOver, if not right up there as one of the best? I think it's probably the best. Uh, I think about six or eight months ago, I wrote a giant column that ranked all of the takeovers, and I haven't gone back and looked at it, but uh, God, this one, just five amazing matches, or at least four amazing matches, and the women's match was also pretty good. So, I mean, it just sucks watching takeover and then going to WrestleMania. (laughs) It's so bad. It's like eating an amazing meal and then going to McDonald's afterward. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's just it's got character content. It's got continuity, and and something that made me laugh was WWE were advertising for a continuity position this past this this week. I saw that. That was hilarious. Like, yeah. like what? What do you mean? Do, do you not have one? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least they're acknowledging their flaws. And two writers have left with apparently two separate Vince-related issues. Although I think one of them said, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> I read that. that Road Dog left because he was tired of getting overruled and Vince rewriting his scripts. Yeah, that's what I read on Twitter this morning. He probably contradicted <laughs> it because he wants a job in the future. But <laughs> oh, he's uh, Billy. Billy's working at AEW. Uh, he'll have a gig there. Real good. <laughs> yeah, but he's um, he's some form of either creative or talent worky person. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not I've put that very well, but he is involved. No, he's, work, he's involved in the backstage stuff okay. to do with it. Yes, he's not actually talent. So I'd assume Road Dog could get a gig like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And they constantly referenced it at the Hall of Fame. I think Triple H called it that pissant company. So that's wow. what So that's what uh, the Elite guys titled the next episode of there being the Elite. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Oh, my God. That's, that's just so petty, too. And people had some really interesting points talk about the hall of fame very very much but after bret hart got tackled and people were talking about oh why is this even open to the public you know this should just be for the for the wrestlers and for the you know production guys and like it used to be and i know you want to make money off tickets but like this is what's going to happen too you're going to get crazy people just you know narrow it down close it off to the public you can show it on the network that makes it even more exclusive for the 10 people who care about watching it but, like, just close it off and make it, like, a cool little uh, thing for just the company. I think that's a cool reward at the end of the year. Yeah, it's odd. Uh, yeah, of course, there was the argument that in wrestling, uh, one of the biggest parts is the fans. And I think someone was saying, well, if you're going to let them in, either hike up the ticket prices or make it formal. So no yep. nutter can get in. They have to buy a suit <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. And then you're not getting a scenario where the Simpsons are predicting it once again. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> have you seen this on Twitter? Do with the Simpsons? I have not. So, Bret Hart starred in an episode of The Simpsons I, back in I've the 90s. I've seen that. Yep. And in that episode, you uh, two are performing on stage when Homer Simpson goes to tackle Bono wearing a Rasta hat. <laughs> <laughs> and guess who stops him? That's Bret Hart. <laughs> it's just insane. Like, how they've done it again. This is mental. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... I think we've gone off topic, and I can't remember what we used to rein it back, so I'll just talk about TakeOver. <laughs> Good <laughs> idea. So, first off was the NXT Tag Team Championships. 
with the raw, well, I can't say, with war raiders and all their Vikingness. As Triple H said, if you've got Vikings, you use Vikings. But yeah, <laughs> same logic. As they faced Blackashay for the Tag Team Championships. So, what do you think of this, Burning? I will say, War Raiders uh, kind of status so far for these openers are just like brilliant. But to be fair, their opponents have been like the Undisputed Era and now here, Blackashay. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, like two of the best teams that NXT's probably had. It's <laughs> just like, oh, I mean, it's not going to be a bad match no matter who those guys were facing. <laughs> yeah. Even if they faced Forgotten Sons, it would have been a decent match. Yeah, I, I haven't been super impressed with War Raiders. I, I didn't watch them on the indie scene, and when they debuted, they just looked like two big dudes who were getting a big push, and I wasn't exactly sure why, but this match was great. Uh, part of that is because you get to wrestle Ricochet and Aleister Black, and how is it possible to have a bad match with those two? But they held their own, uh, War Raiders. Uh, the one bigger dude is surprisingly athletic and going to the oh, yeah. top rope and doing crazy stuff, and uh, Roe and Black... I really liked early on how they kept pairing up the exact same way. It made it very interesting. Uh, and watching Roe and Black just strike the hell out of each other was super fun. Ricochet picking up the bigger dude for a hallway <laughs> yeah. slam or a Samoan drop or something was <laughs> insane. That dude's like 400 pounds. <laughs> Hanson, yeah, Hanson's the bigger dude, and he's just so athletic. It's kind of insane. So they're a kind of tag team where I saw so much of them on the indies that like the athleticism doesn't surprise me, but it's still like, uh, ah, you've worked that into the spot really well. <laughs> you, d- you did it really well. So, like, for me, it was the, um, the thing that got an amazing part was when Ricochet did his handspring backflip thing, yep. and then Hanson did it. <laughs> yep. And they were like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hilarious. That was a, it was a really good match and a really good opener. It's not, like, the best NXT tag team match ever, but, like, whenever there's an NXT tag team championship match, on a takeover, as long as it doesn't have authors of pain, it's always great. <laughs> I think last year might have been Unspeated Era versus Birch and Lorcan, unless it was Unspeated Era versus Mustache Mountain. Like, yeah, those two matches, one after the other, like, that, that set the bar too high. <laughs> <laughs> War Raiders will never reach those, like, those and, two, one after the other. And we're not even talking about, you know, uh, DIY and all oh, the yeah. insane all-time greats, American <laughs> Alpha, The Revival. Sorry, who? The Revival? <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> They're on the pre-show, Bernie. You didn't watch the pre-show. <laughs> you didn't see the revival. And they oh. were on Raw, losing again. <laughs> oh, it's so weird. <laughs> but yes, the NXT tag team scene is just, like, the bar is so damn high. And, so, and it's weird that it's under Vince's own roof it is being shown how great tag team wrestling can be. <laughs> but it, as far as we know, he doesn't watch NXT. So that means nothing to him. But... Sorry. If the production, because quite often in NXT, it's the folk working on NXT are working up to the main roster, including the production stuff like cameramen and even the uh, boards on the ring. The digital boards, even they were in NXT first before getting called up to the main roster. <laughs> so everything gets tested out there. But like, it's, if it is the whole production crew will eventually be working the main roster, including maybe the bigger guys working the ships. Like I think Michael Cole and Triple H both work quite a lot in NXT. So when those two maybe get called up to the main roster to do that same job, maybe that's when you'll see things change, but it's the same. It's the thing. It's the quote that CM Punk said, which keeps coming back, even though we're like eight years past, but while Susan Man's still in charge, I don't see things changing. Uh, uh nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, we get these amazing takeover shows, so it's kind, of, it's kind of a weird thing of, yes, I'd like to see it on the main roster, but it's not like I'm not getting it. <laughs> it's yeah, red in I, NXT. I yeah. kind of see it. It's not really like their apology, but it is a little bit of an apology. Where they're like, WrestleMania is going to suck, but we're going to give you two and a half hours straight into your veins of the shit you want. <laughs> it's not It's not intended to be that way. Triple H isn't like, oh man, got to apologize for Vince and his shitty WrestleMania, because that motherfucker's having 30-minute matches with part-timers too. He's not blameless, but NXT TakeOver at least gives us that thing on the weekend where we're like, oh my god, that was amazing. If, if TakeOver didn't exist, we'd watch WrestleMania and we'd be like, uh, I can't we, believe this is like the biggest show of the year. Yeah, we did. Uh, and speaking of commentary, we'll get to it at WrestleMania when we talk about WrestleMania proper. But there is something really interesting that happened on commentary that I thought was really great uh, and very surprising. So we'll get to it. I'll mention it. wonder what it is. As in, I generally... <laughs> I definitely can't think. <laughs> but um, I will say... Oh, well, it's gone. <laughs> Amazing well, well. podcasting. <laughs> Moving on. Trip and fail. <laughs> the, no- the North American Championship for Velveteen Dream defending against Matt Riddle in Matt Riddle's first proper showcase match just to show what he can do. As in, he's not whipped out that spinning moonsault in NXT yet, and I completely forgot he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Because, of course, I've watched him on the indies, but seeing him do it on NXT, it's just like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look how great that is. <laughs> it was amazing. But it was another, something about Velveteen Dream where he will have athletic matches, but more of he'll work kind of character stuff into them. So they're very strong character matches as well, as, like character story matches, as well as like the you know, balls to the wall, the NXT takeover kind of affair, which is like for the wrestling fan rather than the sports entertainment fan. Yeah. But Dream is great at sports entertainment as well. This was my favorite match of the night. Uh, we got to it early, too, and we're like, oh, man, the bar is so high. Who's going <laughs> who's gonna to meet this? And the answer is nobody, although a couple of matches were really great. But the character work, like you said, is what sets it apart. Like, Riddle can wrestle with anyone. He is fucking spectacular in the ring. Dream is crazy, despite hitting, like, seven axe handles in a row. Like, you still <laughs> get up and get crazy for him because the character work is so great. And then we saw some character work from Riddle. You know, people made the big point that, like, oh, when he's not in the ring, he's just, like, the laid-back bro, and he's goofy, and then when he gets in the ring, he's a killer, but, like, he hasn't been a killer. He's been really good, and sometimes he gets a little intense, but, like, he was teasing the heel turn in that match, and it was really spectacular, because you're like, both these guys are faces, both of them are going to get cheered, what's going to happen? And then Riddle starts to get frustrated, and he starts to flip that switch, where maybe i got to play a little dirty to, to win. He didn't quite go there the whole way, but you saw that that edge to him, and I thought that character work was spectacular, and it, it's part of what pushed that match over the edge for me. I mean, besides the fact that those two guys can just go in the ring. Mm. I mean, the, the card was filled with people who can just go, but, you know, the character work is what sets this one apart from every other match. Not forgetting the best entrance of WrestleMania week. Like, even like no entrance even on WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it was... What, it's not Triple H? No, it's the statue of <laughs> Velveteen. <laughs> yeah, uh, Twitter, Twitter just went, oh, oh, I guess Hunter's seen Mad Max then. Yeah, <laughs> four years later, you got it on Redbox. <laughs> I mean, it is a good film, but <laughs> it's just a little bit late. It's yeah. like he did Terminator 12 years late, yeah. <laughs> or, he, or he didn't do it for when Terminator was hot, he did it for Terminator Genesis. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> what, was, what was good about that film? It had... Daenerys Targaryen in it? I think the answer is nothing. <laughs> yeah. But yes, um, the, yeah, the uh, 
Statue of Dream, I think they called it, uh, or whatever. But yeah, that was an amazing entrance. That, just when the lights went out and then it was bright white and he's standing there with as a Statue of Liberty, he's like, oh, it's just he's so good. <laughs> he's just so good. But did you, you know, watch, uh, did you watch NXT on Wednesday? I did because I had to because I was guesting on a show. <laughs> <laughs> right, we talked about that. So they teased, uh, they showed a little backstage thing with Dream talking shit about people. Uh, and Buddy Murphy walked by, and he's like, oh, here's one of those losers that can't handle the spotlight. And Buddy Murphy's like, what the hell, man? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> next week, we're getting Buddy Murphy versus the Dream for the NA Championship. That's awesome. Yeah, like properly announced and built up and everything. It's like, oh. <laughs> and it took, like, what, a 30-second filmed bit, and you got everybody's motivations just perfectly. <laughs> it's just, oh, I was like, like NXT shows it's so simple <laughs> to do something like this. <laughs> and you just don't get it at all on the main roster, or very rarely. Oh, it's just really weird. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, they kind of lean into the, you don't know what's going to happen, so you better tune in thing a little too hard. you got to announce some stuff to get people excited, mm-hmm. and then you can layer in the surprises. You can't just say, eh, I don't know what's going to happen next week. Nobody gives a fuck if you, if you don't know. If, like, Sunday, for the Americans that are listening, if Sunday football rolled around, right? And they announced none of the matchups every single week. Nobody would tune in. <laughs> that's what, but that's yeah. what Raw and SmackDown do. They don't announce any of the matchups until you get them. Like, I, I mean, I guess these two are going to play. Sure, <laughs> why not? Yeah, turning up to your like Sunday match, you know, you know you're supporting your <laughs> team, but you don't know who they're playing. <laughs> it's just, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the dream, the dream itself, the match itself was. Oh, I used to put again. It was a dream. <laughs> it was really, really good. Uh, I again, I was ill as hell when I watched this, but the fact it held my attention is a sign of how great it was. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic character work. Uh, Matt Riddle doing the, I call it the Kojo Bushi spot, where he stands on the second rope and suplex back, backward suplex on Dirt yeah. back into the ring. That like was amazing. Crazy. Was that what led into the uh, moonsault as well, spinning moonsault, I think? Like, two amazing moves, one after the other, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, it was awesome to finally have, like, see what Matt Riddle can do on NXT TV. That was great. And he, he just screams future NXT champion to me at the moment. I don't know. Because you've got Dijak and we've got, what he's called in NXT, and we've got Keith Lee as well. So, yeah, like, I don't those, know how many of those yeah. guys are going to be... NXT champion. I mean, you look at the history of NXT champions, they just don't put the belt on monsters. Yeah, it's really weird. And we're getting to a general point now where the guys coming up through the roster, they're quite big. So, like, Velveteen Dream's probably the most popular already outside of those. But I was expecting Unspooed Era to be on the main roster sooner rather than later, be it next week. <laughs> so why are we talking about them when we do the show next week? Or it, they could be, like, SummerSlam or something, because What's there left for them to do? And the new generation's coming through now, so there's not even room for them on the show. So it's weird. They could put the next guys over. But <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can really see them doing. So there's not really... For the future of NXT, I don't see Undisputed Era in it, so it'd be really weird to see what they kind of do. Plus, I, what kind, the of expected, I yeah. kind of expected them to get called up on Monday, so the fact that they didn't yeah. was super disappointing, but also just really confusing. Like, what do they have left to do in NXT at this point? Multi-time or single-time or multi-time tag team champions, <laughs> NA championship, you know, just main evented the biggest NXT show of the year. Like, what do they have left? Oh, and then everybody was... Kicking Roddy out. 
Like, I don't know if you were on Twitter during Jack, I'll say during Raw. <laughs> uh, but people, loads of people were guessing the Undisputed Era were going to be the ones to intervene in the match. That's what I would have done. So it was really weird being on Twitter because there were some people going, why are you getting angry when you were expecting there to be interference? It's not what they did, it's how they did it. Because <laughs> yep. if that would have been, yeah. if that was like the Nexus, when the Nexus mm. debuted, that's huge. You bring up new people that nobody's ever seen before and you have them interfere. You have the fucking bar interfere. And for me, the big, the, for me, the bigger part was they didn't let the tension build for Kofi Rollins enough. So the yeah, match like was only on like two, yeah, like two, three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> then they get interfered and immediately it's completely switched. So, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have at least had the match go on longer and then have the bar versus them be shorter. <laughs> like switch them around <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. They handled yeah. that terribly, but we'll talk about that when we get to Raw. And the yeah, undisputed yeah. era, the fact that they haven't been called up yet is fucking crazy. But so, that, the new generation versus old generation of NXT is a little weird, too, because, hmm. you know, having watched NXT since it moved to the network, like, you've seen these generations go. You had the Sami Zayn generation, you had the Finn and Samoa Joe generation, Nakamura was kind of in the middle, and now we're at, like, the Gargano Champa type generation with, hmm. you know... Uh, Undisputed Era and Dream, and it's like, how many of those people are going to move up this year, and what's going to be left? Well, they're working on, you know, the the Keith Lee's and the what's his name, Joe Kick or whatever. Joe Kick. <laughs> oh, Dijakovic. That yeah, that guy. He's going to yeah. be big. Oh, I'm um, calling him Joe know, Riddle. Kick. <laughs> <laughs> Riddle, you know, those guys. I mean, are those guys all going to be the main event? Is there someone that we don't know about? I don't. I don't know. It's it's weird because we don't have that one big name that we've had uh, as the tentpole of NXT, mm. at least not yet. So yeah. That be? yeah, that's what I was thinking, Matt Riddle, but that's just because I'm using what I saw on the indies because he is the kind of guy who will remember the name of every fan. Like, he's <laughs> so great at that personable side of it. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know how he does that. I forget the name of people. Of, well, I was going to say my own family, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an overemphasis, <laughs> not overemphasis, over gives a shit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't remember names good, it's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. So I don't Matt... remember names good, yeah, <laughs> or sentence structure. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so seeing Matt Riddle like remember the names of like so many fans, it's just like it to see so for me, it's like a superpower <laughs> seeing somebody do that. So, yeah, so that's why I can see him being that NXT champion, because that was something Finn Balor had. He was so good at the personable side. Matt Riddle has got that, so maybe he could, but I don't, I don't know. What he's got going for him is the MMA stuff. WWE are like all over that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they are. A little, <laughs> yeah. a little too much. And then it's funny because you watch you know, the Dream Wrestle, and he's like, axe handles. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you know the weird reverse DDT that you have to stand still for for 12 seconds for him to hit. You know, it's the complete opposite of MMA, but that was part of why that match was great. The clash of styles. It's not like Gargano. Uh, God, my mind is just blank right now. But uh, the main event, right? Those two guys wrestle basically the same style, mm. but you watch Dream and Riddle, and they're totally opposite styles, and you know that complements one another in a different way, and it creates a more exciting type of match than watching two guys you know, wrestle that same indie counter style. Mm, yeah. So I think, yeah, Dream versus Riddle, amazing match. If in terms of, like, the character work, it might be the best of the weekend. Just, well, no, that's not true. The, you know, yeah, WrestleMania had one match, which is just, like, for me, an all-time great. <laughs> so, 
Uh, yeah, I might put this as the second best of the weekend in terms of pure character. I mean, as far as character work, though, this one was pretty amazing. What yeah. was higher than it? Well, I put uh, Brian Kofi because of I I, I was into that match. That was a great <laughs> match, but nobody displayed any new character, right? Oh, so this one had evolving parts, whilst well, so that was more a culmination of the parts that have been already laid down. Yeah, there's no evolution in that one. It was just, yeah, this is the thing we've been building to. We're going to stop here now. Compared to Riddle, like, this was the first time really seeing Riddle, and it's the first time you're seeing Dream having to cope with someone like Nick Riddle, and how does he adapt? Because he's not, this is his first, is this his first defense? Or at least a defense against a wrestler he's not familiar with. So it was, it's the first time you're seeing Dream have to adapt, and of course, Riddle, first time you're seeing him frustrated, and how does he adapt to that? Ugh. Yes, you're making me think more about it, but <laughs> a lot of layers of this one. The the very last point about this match, Riddle didn't really lose the match. Riddle was mm. dominating that match, and Riddle had that match won, and he what got rolled up. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> Riddle was still protected, even though Dream got away with the win. Like Riddle still looks like a badass. Mm. Yeah, just a perfect booking. <laughs> yeah, perfect character work, perfect booking. Next up, the NXT UK Championship with Pete Dunne defending against Volta. I know Big you want to talk about this one for about 15 minutes, so I will let you go. All right, so this was a match where... <laughs> so this is one where I've not gone back to watch it when I really should have because I started to fall asleep during it because I was really ill. <laughs> so I, I, you've just passed over to somebody who's not really seen it. <laughs> but what? I was awake for the second half of it. <laughs> so I was, I was watching the build start to drift off listened to the middle portion and then watched the last bit. <laughs> but <laughs> that last portion was brilliant. I feel like it would have hit harder home for me if I'd actually seen the middle portion. But just seeing the kind of counter styles at the end and Walter hitting the bigger and bigger moves to keep Pete Dunne down, uh, Pete Dunne resorting to things he probably didn't want to resort to, like having to hit the bit of end on him. Because if you watch NXT UK... You see that Pete Dunne's been winning fewer and fewer matches with that move. He's been using the like triangle submission and snapping the fingers, and then they kind of immediately tap. Yeah, I have not seen so, that, but that is interesting. Uh, I don't know why he's not using the bitter end more, but the fact that he hit it on a Walter is insane. Yeah. I thought they just wouldn't do it. Like, uh, you know, Finn doesn't do his Bloody Sunday or whatever to bigger opponents. Mm. He does it to almost nobody at this point because mm. it's just an inconsistent move. You don't know if he's going to be able to hit it on those bigger opponents, but... You know, Pete Dunne hit it, and that was fucking nuts. That dude's like yeah. 350 pounds. <laughs> like, if I'm right, that's the exact reason he's been doing that submission rather than the thing is that he needs something because he cannot rely on the bit of end to hit on those bigger guys because it takes so much out of him. And that's right. exactly what happened. It took so much out of him. He never came back. Yeah, the match <laughs> but, was really yeah. good. Pete Dunne got in a bunch of offense early and was trying to avoid the chops. Uh, eventually, he did get chopped a couple times and chopped down to the ground. Uh, and it looked like it was going to go pretty bad for him, but uh, he fought back, he hit the bitter end, and then he started doing the finger pulls and like all of his nasty joint work, um, which is really interesting because it's really brutal and the crowd loves it, but at the same time, like Walter, you know, you hurt his hands, big whoop. Walter didn't really <laughs> care. He's just going to climb to the top rope and do weird shit and like chop you with his broken hand. He just doesn't care. Which is part of the story, you know, the, the fact that he... Pete Dunne did all he could, and he did every move in his book, and he did his normal playbook, and, like, Walters just terminated through it, <laughs> and he got the win. And, uh, you know, Walter is 
looking like a freaking boss. And mm. I don't know how you pin that guy because he's 6'3 and 300 pounds. And, you know, if he chops you, it's like a nuclear weapon hitting you. Mm. <laughs> he's one of those guys who would really benefit from having a long run himself and kind of building up that how on earth do you defeat him kind of feeling. Because yep. so, I've seen that done on the Indies. I've seen that done in the UK circuit where they, they served, some promotions did, like uh, OCT in Ireland, they did build him up as that undefeatable boss. And what happened in that circumstance was homeboy Jordan Devlin ended up beating him and everybody went mental. <laughs> but it was after a, like a long period of time, kind of thing, so he's like a, a reign of terror of Walter. I feel like NFT UK needs that as well. So they could even do the exact same copy and build up definitely but at the moment he's like the prick heel so it doesn't quite <laughs> like, he, I feel like it'd be too much time of that transition of prick heel to beloved baby face I don't reckon they could do it in the amount of time that Walter's reign would end up not being too long but yeah long reign and then you have somebody to thrown in after like much after many troubles <laughs> or whatever yeah reign of terror then somebody chops him down after other people already fail and then talking about Pete Dunne, uh, you know, Ooh. I saw a little video, I think it was on NXT, where he's saying, you know, I'm going to come back, I'm going to challenge him again for, for my title and get my title back. But the thing is, like, Pete Dunne is so good. I don't, maybe they need him to anchor NXT UK, but, like, that dude should just get called up at this point. I don't, you kind of don't want anyone to get called up because then they'll get ruined, but Pete Dunne is so fucking good. Mm. Like, is he, I mean, arguably, like, the number two or three wrestler in all of NXT? And maybe number one, like he's in that tier with uh, with Gargano and Adam Cole, right? It's those three. Yeah, because he was yeah, he was there feuding with Adam Cole and Ricochet for a bit. <laughs> yes, like, he was. Yeah, so when he has gone to NXT, he's been up there with the upper echelon of guys. He's just, you know, he's the NXT UK guy. I don't, cause, and nobody knows how the NXT UK brand works into WWE. <laughs> he's like, he's like his own little thing, and, and it's just like. Do people even get called up from NXT UK? Right. Do they <laughs> yeah. get called up to the other NXT? How does this work? Mm. Yes, we'll find out. Yeah, and we're surely going to find out with Pete Dunne or like Tony Storm or someone like that. It's just like, yeah, someone they've built that division or brand around and then seeing them get called up, like with NXT where with like Finn Balor and things like that. Someone who's built, built, built the brand around, what happens to them when they get to move on? But with NXT UK, it's, we don't know. <laughs> and because Vince doesn't watch NXT stuff, we don't know who would get picked <laughs> or whatever, but yeah. <coughs> right. Penultimate match of the night. NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Shayna Baszler defending against Bianca Belair, Carrie Sane, and Io Shirai. So this is the match I missed and rewatched. Because <laughs> I got, yeah. Well, at least you're coherent yeah. about it. Yes. <laughs> so it was. It, yeah, they're going for the chaotic thing. I feel like this either needed an extra gear or something just to take it up one more thing. It's one of those things where you criticise it not being like on the line of potential classics like the rest of the card. Instead, it was just a really good match. <laughs> it's just kind of like, it sounds like I'm being critical. It was still really good. <laughs> like, the rest of this card was so high, set the, bar, set the bar so high that this being really good felt like it wasn't as good as the others, but... It was really good. <laughs> so, I, I like the story with Carrie Sane and Io Shirai. Obviously, you knew where it was going, but they did it well. And the idea that that, that did end up costing them in the end. Just, again, yep. NXT has logic. It's awesome. <laughs> it's actual logic, as in wrestlers 
make a decision, and sometimes it's the wrong decision and leads to them losing. It's like, oh, that's insane to have that kind of logic in WWE. <laughs> but yeah, I really like that analysis of uh, needing an extra gear because it was totally true. It was like a good build, and it had the fun, goofy parts like catching the the little kiss and like knocking out mm. as a home run. And, uh, you know, EO and Carrie both, like, breaking up each other's championship-winning pins. And, you know, how heartbreaking that is for those two. Um, had Bianca doing, like, crazy feats of strength and speed. Like, she is a crazy athlete. I know people say that about Naomi because Naomi's got, like, some agility. But Bianca is so fast and so strong. She's nuts. She's still really green, and I don't really like the braid thing. Like, how does she get to use a weapon in matches? That's bullshit. <laughs> Lex Luger did with his arm. Oh, my God. Such garbage. So, you know, she got some really cool spots. And, you know, in the end, Shayna, you know, sneaks into the the ring and hits her little sleeper for the win, which is great. But, like, it just didn't have that extra gear that the the best NXT matches have where you hit, you know, five finishers or five moves that nobody's ever seen out of you. Uh, You know, interference, 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 like all of the craziness that's like the hallmark of the best matches. And it just didn't have it. Which is fine. It was still a good match. It's just the same highs that some of the classic women's matches hit. Mm. And of course, that's a f- saying oh, it wasn't a classic. <laughs> it's going to be. Right. Yeah, it's like, a very it good match. Yeah, <laughs> which it feels weird to criticize. <laughs> but well, I would, it's one of those where it sounds critical, but we're not really being critical. <laughs> it's just no, that, it was a good match. Yeah. yeah, it was a good match. It was really enjoyable, it turns out. Even though I fell asleep during it the first time, it was more because it was ill than because it was bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. <laughs> I mean, it was better than any of the matches uh, on WrestleMania's card. Mm. And the logic of uh, Belair, Sane, and Shirai kind of fighting amongst themselves, that let Baszler back in, and then she ended up getting the win because of that. <laughs> it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's just put together so well. <laughs> so great. That character, her, like, just work, her, her moveset, her uh, kind of viciousness, and she, she's really smart about where she picks her spots, and you wouldn't expect that from her. Yeah, she's just a phenomenal character. Mm. So I can't wait to see how they ruin her. Yeah. Well, the word is WWE. Well, I say word. It's one of those where if you can read foreshadowing, <laughs> then you can maybe use it. But the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen idea. And uh, someone was making the point that Baszler has got it. She is amazing. However, the other two... They still feel really green. Like it, it's just not clicking. I don't know if it will come with time, or as in maybe they don't have enough time and they're going to try and rush them up. But it's just not going to happen. Uh, that if if anything's going to happen with Baszler, I don't know if going to try and make it for Horseman rather than Baszler is great. Therefore, she comes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, weird. Yeah. I mean, Shayna's the other person I thought should have just debuted on Raw. After mm. WrestleMania, Shayna should have debuted and Undisputed Era should have just moved up. But, you know, they're still in NXT. So, like she said, she's going to be NXT champion forever. She had a great, I don't know if it was a tweet or a video, but she was but she was saying, I'm so dominant and I've beaten everyone so many times that now all of my championship matches just have to be three-on-ones. Yeah. <laughs> which is what they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, they started doing that with Asuka as well, which yeah. kind of shows you the level that she's at. Well, Asuka had a lot more top-end competition when she was in NXT, right? She had Bailey still. She had Ember Moon. Uh, who else did she have? She Nikki, had Emma. Did she, she had Nikki Cross, uh, Iconics at one point. Yes. So she had a lot more depth to her division, but Shayna is just running through what's left of hers. It feels like 
there's going to be depth in the NXT women's division. It's just being built up. Like Candice LeRae, surely, <laughs> surely she's going to get some time to actually wrestle in NXT. She she had a five minute match last night. So fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. Well, I don't know what was up with that finisher. It looked like a springboard moonsault, but it turned into a springboard moonsault senton. I don't know if that was intentional. Yeah, it's like she was going for the lion salt and then <laughs> yeah. changed it a bit. Or either she did muck it up or, and <laughs> improvise well, or that was what she was going for anyway. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I love go... Candice, but I, I can't imagine any universe in which she beats Shayna Baszler. <laughs> as soon as you could, as in, I'd just be happy with her actually getting a feud to actually wrestle in. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's not Johnny not Gargano's wife. Yeah, <laughs> as in, she may be a prop in the story. She may be a very good prop in the story who actually feels like a genuine character. <laughs> but it, I don't get to see her wrestle. And I saw sure. I saw her wrestle on the Indies. I think she's really good. So really I'd like good. to see her wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> right, the main event, speaking of Johnny Gargano, for the NXT Championship, Johnny Gargano facing Adam Cole, baby. It feels so uncool coming out of my British mouth. <laughs> it really does, but it's also probably because you're uncool. <laughs> oh, Burn knows how to build up my ego. <laughs> <laughs> you're British. You're used to getting made fun of. <laughs> so, Johnny Gargano, if you move swiftly on. <laughs> Johnny Gargano uh, facing Adam Cole. Uh, I will say the first two falls felt really odd. Uh, didn't quite feel uh, but like worthy enough of what we've seen what we will see and of course what we've seen in past matches is like really that beat these two guys for see, both I of them of, really. i kind of disagree just because if you if it's a three falls match you know it's going to the third fall you oh, might yeah. as well just fucking burn through those stupid things <laughs> and get to the real one and you know they played into it with cole tapping out really quickly because he didn't want to get worn down by the submission mm. fighting out of it like he's just a wily vet so you know mm. he tapped out in a really quick obvious way just you know, to get out of it. It was a very smart veteran move by him. So I kind of liked that they just burned through that and they got to the good stuff. To me, the question was like, when is Undisputed Era going to interfere? And is that going to be the thing that decides the match? And they waited till the third fall, which is cool. Hmm. The fact that he, the fact that Johnny Gargano fought off the entirety of the Undisputed Era and then won the championship was fucking nuts. (laughs) That pisses me off. That seems crazy to me, but you know, Undisputed Era hasn't exactly been a dominant faction. They're more like, Sometimes they win belts, and sometimes they're just kind of goofy. When we're living in a world where the Miz can destroy four permanently hired wrestlers. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) But uh, Joey Dogano and Adam Cole, for me, that was the final act where it all came together. As you said, it was building up and building up, and it's getting to that point of they're going to interfere when they're going to interfere. And it was done so well at the perfect point where it genuinely felt, oh, Adam Cole's winning this. Yeah. And then it just it just felt like everything was built up and like this is it this is it and they hit the super kicks they hit the last call and then he kicked out. <laughs> it's just like who did you think was going to win the match before the pay per view happened? So my assumption was the original plan was Johnny Gargano to face Champa and kind of end that storyline with Gargano winning, and then he could maybe do a similar ending with the respect finally there kind of thing. Maybe I don't know, but then that was plan changed and I was like, oh, but. Adam Cole, if he's not getting called up, he really could be champion. And with yeah. Champa gone, and uh, Alistair Black gone, and Ricochet gone, like, they can move past Gargano and maybe use him. Because he can be called up, or they can use him in building somebody else up. So I generally thought it could be either man. So that's kind of what 
I got the New Japan thing. <laughs> I've not had it where, <laughs> well, when I was writing my column and I was saying, I could be either man who wins. I don't mind who wins because I like both of them. They're both really good. Whoever wins, I'm happy. How great is that? <laughs> the same thing here. <laughs> like Al Gogana or Cole, I didn't mind who won. I just, and I thought both of them could win, just depending on what future plans were. So, like, who's getting called up, who's staying in NXT, uh, who do they need to build for the future of NXT? It kind of matters, like, who you keep to help build them in that way. And that's why I thought either one would be fine. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of a, it's a little tough, though, because when you think about the way the, the match has to be booked, right? Either Gargano mm. has to lose, in which case he loses every big match, basically, mm. which is a huge problem, or... You have Adam Cole with Undisputed Era interfering, and he still loses that match. Which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cole's won some big matches, right? And he's participated in both the War Game matches, and he was NA champion. So he's won, a, he's won big matches, but like, if your entire team interferes and you still lose, you kind of look like a little bit of a chump. And so, mm. you know, to me, they, they kind of booked themselves into a little bit of a corner, but they only had two weeks. It's hard to blame them too much. Mm. But Adam Cole, um, did you watch, I don't know, uh, they did a table for three on the uh, WWE Network. Of I Ricoch- did watch it. I wanted to, though. I forgot yeah. about it. So Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. <laughs> it's weird to see it after the NXT main event. But it's those three talking, and Adam Cole's making the point that when he came into NXT, it was like he just had a string of, like, it was, he didn't get a singles match on a takeover until Ricochet. But because he was in the first War Games, then he had the street fight thing with Alistair Black. Then he was in the ladder match, and it wasn't until Ricochet that he actually got a match. <laughs> like, just a normal <laughs> match. <laughs> that is a funny point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it feels like Undisputed Era of, like, if they, if they are staying in NXT, they've climbed the cards to that point where the only thing left would be for Adam Cole to be NXT champion. That's yep. the only... Like, if they're climbing to the top of NXT, that is the last thing. And... It feels weird for them to still be in NXT and not be going for that at the same time. Like, I, it also it also sucks a little bit for Gargano, yeah. right? Because he and Ciampa mm. were getting called up. Oh yeah, they were they were on the main roster. They were beating legit tag teams on the mm. main roster. They were going against Sheamus and Cesaro and other big name teams, and then Ciampa gets hurt, and so Gargano, you know, he gets the consolation prize of the NXT Championship. I'm sure he'd rather be in NXT where you get to wrestle mm. actual matches and have actual <laughs> feuds and stories. But he still didn't get called up. He's back at NXT, and that's got to be a little disappointing, right? Yes. <laughs> especially, when, <laughs> especially when you're like there, you're wrestling on the main card, and it's like a, this is a proper thing now. We're properly together, and this is taken away from you because of an injury, and now they're a little bit lost. Like, personally, it didn't seem like too complicated to me because I thought, well, you're already pushing two singles guys. Just push. If they're going to do Black Ashe as a thing, then they can have those two in the tag team one and just put Gargano into one of their singles pushes. But no, they just killed the singles guys and it, yeah, they just became the tag team guys, Black and Shay. <laughs> so it's, yeah, yeah, Gargano doesn't need Chopper. Just call him up. Yeah. But in terms of the depth of WWE, it was the right decision. Because <laughs> Gargano, if he stays on the main roster and apparently they're wanting to push all of them as like proper stars, then that means that's another match eating up at WrestleMania. <laughs> Which is... Uh, I don't want that. But now he gets to work in NXT. So it kind of worked out for the better, I reckon, in the long term. Just short term, yeah, he's back down in NXT. It's so crazy that they called up Lars Sullivan and he had his uh, issues that Mm. stopped him from performing. So they called up six other NXT stars, did nothing (laughs) with them, 
and that went so poorly that they then had to call up four more. <laughs> they lost 11 superstars yeah. in the course of like three months, and, and NXT is <laughs> still fucking great. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that makes me laugh is, uh, when I've been tracking it, obviously, with writing columns every week, and it's just that thing of, are we in another new era? Like, the shake-up's coming up. It's like, what's that? The fifth new era this year? <laughs> <laughs> like, they keep revamping it because it's not working. And I was like, oh, at least it feels like WrestleMania set up that next era. So at least maybe they can move on. But oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to Raw SmackDown. Yeah, I just hope that they go full out on it and they don't swap like three minor guys and one major guy. I hope they do a fucking crazy <laughs> revamp of those rosters because they need it. Which I think we say every year at about this point. Yeah. Well, the rosters got... really need the shakeup. <laughs> well, it's not, well, I think I was saying earlier, it's not what they do, it's how they do it. And they'll do the shakeup and that might be fine and be an exciting week. But if the writing's still shit, then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Which it will be, but hey, they're hiring a continuity guy, so what, what? Well, like Vince will listen to him. <laughs> That's the other thing. He has to actually listen to the continuity guy, and the continuity guy has to have... Oh, um, Steve, apply for it. <laughs> Good luck, Steve. <laughs> I'd like to think that this company would be better off when Vince McMahon's dead. But it's just oh, going to be yeah. taken over by his idiot daughter and his doofus son-in-law. <laughs> that was before NXT. <laughs> so we've seen the proof. It was like, oh, I mean, it's probably right about the Vince part. <laughs> like so as, as long as he's running it the way he is, and the, Stephanie, we're, yeah. we can't let Stephanie off the hook here. Like oh, Stephanie yeah. ran SmackDown during a lot of really bad times too. Mm. And that, if you look at SmackDown now, it's it's been better for a long time. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the more random shit you've seen is since Vince's been kind of going over the top of Road Dog. We can't um, let yeah. SmackDown get too off the hook either, though. Like SmackDown mm. has been declining. You know, since mm. the return of Daniel Bryan and his heel turn, which was amazing, they stumbled into this amazing storyline oh, yeah. because they stumbled into it. Yeah. Hurt. And yeah. they still are going to ruin it. They're still going to ruin it. You're just waiting for the how because you, you, <laughs> <laughs> it's WWE. Like, this entire time, I was like, it's just, like any other company, I would trust them to just let Kofi win. But these guys, Booker T 2003, still in my mind. <laughs> it's been all those years. Like, they did it before. <laughs> it doesn't mean, yeah. It's, yeah, you can't trust them. <laughs> this was not going to be the main event. It was the best match on the WrestleMania card, and it wasn't even booked a month ago. So the yeah. fact that they stumbled into this, luckily, because someone got too hurt to wrestle in what they actually wanted to be their championship match, they don't get props for that. This was an accident. <laughs> I feel like we've tangent this, but yes, Gargano Cole was very good. <laughs> Gargano Cole was very, very good. I know people <laughs> yeah. were like, oh my God, two out of three falls with the two best wrestlers in the division. Like, it's going to be one of the best NXT matches ever. I don't know if it's quite the top tier. I don't think it's like Sammy versus Shinsuke or Gargano versus Almas, but, you know, that next tier down that's still like amazing matches, that's still really great matches. Yeah, it's in that one. It was really good. Yeah. Right. I was going to do another tangent, but no, we've taken us 45 minutes to talk about that one. Hey, so, we booked 40. We booked 40. Yeah, for- that is good for us. <laughs> yeah. well, oh, we have to a- talk about Raw for five less minutes? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Wait for next week, Burn, when that's all we've got to talk about. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, going to take a quick five-second break, maybe a bit longer, so I can actually find it in this long show. Uh, when we return, we'll be talking about WrestleMania. Actually, no, first WrestleMania week and then WrestleMania. So, Burn gets, I don't know, get a drink. <laughs> Whatever I'm banging on about. Yeah, I anyway, we'll be back in about five seconds or so. 
10. That sound bite played immediately. <laughs> sure, now she plays. <laughs> yeah, Skype's telling me I've not found a video device. Yes, that's because I'm calling a studio. <laughs> no, yeah. Anyway, let's have my own little meltdown. Right, so WrestleMania week. I did want to quickly talk about this because, again, the benefit of me being ill was that I just laid there in bed watching some shows. <laughs> so it was great. So there's WrestleMania week has evolved into this thing where it's not just WrestleMania, it's the indie shows around it. And now the indie shows are reaching a point where their production is bloody high and they look great. So the example I'll give, I, I watched a bit of uh, WrestleCon. The big thing is a lot of these shows sold out as well. And when I get to New Japan Madison Square Garden, there's a bit more information on that, which is really awesome. But these wider shows look amazing, uh, especially going to give props to GCW. So they did Bloodsport, which is like the MMA mix with wrestling, which had Josh Barnett in the main event against Minoru Suzuki. A fantastic match. <laughs> also, Davey Boy Smith Jr. Had a wrestled a match against uh, Impact's Killer Cross. Davey Boy Smith Jr., where did that come from? Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> he had an amazing match against Killer Cross. I just remember him from WWE, and he was super mediocre. Yeah, he, yeah, he's kind of like he's been in the tag team in uh, New Japan, and he's been like they've been fine. But then I watched this match, a like, blood sport. It's just like, well, where, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing match. <laughs> but it's the mixture of MMA and wrestling, so it's kind of the fair MMA thing, and it's it's kind of awesome to see. Uh, yeah, really unique match for blood sport. But GCW did that one, and they did uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break, which was just. One of the best silly shows, uh, Orange Cassidy's, I think it was Orange Cassidy's show or whatever was the name of the show. Uh, that was also full of uh, silly fun, including my favourite entrance of the weekend in terms of fun, where uh, a guy came out to Teenage Dirtbag and they I... just... Yeah, so the reason he came out to Teenage Dirtbag was because there's a match called The Clusterfuck which is meant to be like a really confusing rumble of sorts. <laughs> and uh, in it, he came out with the lead singer of... It, was it Wheatus? Did the song? Uh, yeah. He came out with the singer of Wheatus to Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. But, um, yeah, in this Orange Cassidy show, they played the song and just played the entire song and the announcer and the referee and him were all dancing to it in the ring and they played the entire <laughs> song. <laughs> And before realising they've now got to announce the next wrestler. <laughs> but yeah, that was awesome. That's a lot better than Ronda's entrance. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get to Joan Jett. <laughs> we get to Joan Jett. But uh, my favourite match of, of the weekend outside of that was, was easily the Invisible Man versus the Invisible Stan. <laughs> Which was wow. amazing. A.K.A. Uh, the referee was called uh, Bryce Rinsberg. And I called this match the Bryce Rinsberg Performance Art. <laughs> it was a performance art by the referee. Because <laughs> without him, it thought he means nothing. And he was amazing. <laughs> so this has just been the next evolution from, Kota, uh, was it Kota Ibushi wrestling the, the doll? <laughs> the next evolution of that? Well, uh, somebody said, um, like, is this the equivalent of a referee wrestling a match with a broom? There's <laughs> 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 literally nobody there. And the entire crowd was just so into it. <laughs> and he did this like series of close falls. They rigged a table to implode. <laughs> they uh, climbed up to a higher position and pretended to suplex each other off the top. And the referees down below bumped like someone had fallen on them. <laughs> it was just <laughs> someone. So, someone showed Jim Cornette this match. <laughs> uh, 
But it's one of those where the entire crowd is into it, and it's just really good. I really, I just enjoyed it from start to finish. <laughs> um, if you know anything about Joe Dino's Spring Break shows, yeah, they're full of lots of creative, silly stuff. So it's silly, but when you're watching it, they're always really creative and <laughs> trying to make it as exciting and interesting to watch as possible. Uh, speaking of the doll match, DDT, the promotion that happened in, they also ran a show which was sold out and did apparently was really good. Not seen it, so yeah. But yeah, nice. the more competition, the better. Yes, which leads us to the final one I wanted to talk about, the Madison Square Garden show. So the first show, the first wrestling show at Madison Square Garden that wasn't WWE in over 50 years. This was kind of momentous. <laughs> even even if the elite guys who were the draw weren't on the show, it's still <laughs> a lot of the show. Uh, personally, I thought every time Ring of Honor took to the ring, they kind of brought down the show. That's what I heard. <laughs> I, I did not watch it, but uh, I read a review from another place that I love their reviews. And from what I read, the Ring of Honor stuff sucked, and the New Japan stuff was great. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> everybody was popping. Like, they did a uh, pre-show rumble, and everybody was popping for all of the uh, New Japan guys. Like They were amazing people. Uh, every time the music hit, the crowd would go mental. Ring of Honor guys, a lot of them got silenced. <laughs> now, is that just a reputation thing at this point? Like, New Japan is the hot thing even though it's not new and ring of honor is like five years past its prime or is that because legitimately everyone in new japan is just way better than everyone in ring of honor <laughs> i i don't know the answer to that i'm asking you the other part which is really important is that ring of honor essentially there were like and then lots of pundits at the time were saying this is a bad move for the future but it was over the past two years they've really built their show around the elite and those guys well, and the- yeah <laughs> And they were being told like, the entire time, like, those guys won't be around forever. You are screwed if they leave. And luckily, one of them stayed in Marty Skull. <laughs> so they could, like, everybody's support went to him. Wow, but, like that, he's the best guy. But like, after the elite left, that's why you saw like two or three stables just springing up out of nowhere. And even one was born on the show, which was... <laughs> but either, So I wrote in my column preview that Ring of Honor would be wise to use this show to kind of build to the future. No, not like that, <laughs> you numpties. <laughs> so the biggest you numpty, what the hell were you thinking? Well, I thought I'd give it like a British name. Was, uh, you've probably seen this, but when the Enzo and Cass invaded. I saw that it happened. I didn't yeah. watch it because holy shit, I don't care about those guys anymore. So the, the most weird thing was this happened within the half hour of Bret Hart's attack. So... They, and they didn't call it off. Apparently, the creative and the bookers did not want to do this, and it was a high ups of Ring of Honor who pushed for it. If so, Ring of Honor was in trouble because those high ups are not smart. <laughs> they do not know what they're doing. But uh, they were doing a thing where it was just the commentators talking, and it was after a match, and then Enzo and Cass jumped to the barricade and started attacking the wrestlers who looked to then go into a legit fight and legit try and uh, take each other down before they escaped into the crowd, and apparently security didn't do anything, which kind of gave it away to people in the arena. But wow. they're trying to give it away like it was something that happened in the background, wasn't paid attention to, wasn't talked about, wasn't really mentioned on the screen, and they kind of passed it over as a, as, a, as in, oh, it was like somebody's trying to get their five minute, five seconds of fame or something, uh, to pass it off like that. But they're trying to make it look, look like a legit invasion, and then off they scurried, which was not a good idea. Mm. Nobody... Like Enzo and Cass, nobody, none of the fans that Ring of Honor tried to appeal to are going to want Enzo and Cass. No shit. And after the Bret Hart attack, they decided to go ahead with it anyway. 
it was just like, what is, uh, it's just a weird hour in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. <clears throat> but the New Japan stuff was brilliant. And uh, if, if you watch the show and you're a bit put off by like some of the Ring of Honor stuff like I was, New Japan are doing a show in Dallas. They're kicking off their G1 Climax tournament, like their biggest tournament where the winner main events Wrestle Kingdom. Their first night, they're kicking the tournament off in Dallas, which is kind of like a huge thing for them. So if you like New Japan, please go to that show. If you're American as well, like, I'm not going to it. I'm not American and I need money. <laughs> so I'm not going to travel that far. <laughs> but still, it's, it's a shame really that uh, New Japan nailed it and Ring of Honor... Like they also started a stable with the beautiful people from TNA, who their gimmick is very mid two thousands. Yeah, it is. Like the jiggling of the parts and the wearing of the short denim <laughs> kind of stuff as well. It's like oh, that is so two thousands. They just screamed it when they came out. Like oh, I remember this being great in the mid two thousands. Not just the gimmick, but you know the actual participants are also mid two thousands. And to use that, it's so weird. Like every decision Ring of Honor made felt so off, apart from their world title scene, which I think they did do well. Even though I would have, I was like, but a ladder match, they didn't need to be a ladder match. They could have done an actual match; it would have been fine. It uh, sounds like New Japan was putting on a good show, and Ring of Honor was trying to get attention. Oh yeah, so Ring of Honor had a string of matches, and I referred to it on Twitter as the gas leak hour. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, just we'll just move on, just pretend the gas leak. It's just a gas leak hour. Like, I don't remember what happened. <laughs> Let's just move on. <coughs> but yeah, New Japan nailed it. They nailed their top story as well. Uh, it was great to see the opener between Will Ospreay and Jeff Cobb, aka two of my, I was going to say my boys, as in the guys you pop for whenever you see them. You know, I've got, I've got a few indie boys, spelled B O I Z. <laughs> like they're the guys that I will pop for. I mark out for. I will cheer. Uh, it used to be Ricochet, but now he's at WWE, so well. <laughs> but yeah, Will Ospreay and Jeff Cobb, I think they are. I think the world of both guys. I'd be really surprised if both aren't top names in the industry within the next five years or so. I really rate them. Well, Will Ospreay could injure himself. <laughs> he could be mental. <laughs> but Jeff Cobb, he's he's like a more athletic Samoa Joe. And he's got the Olympic background. So I guess if, impossible. I guess if you had a Samoa Joe Chad Gable, <laughs> I guess, because he's got that Olympic what? background. <laughs> what words are you even saying right now? <laughs> what if you combined Walter and Ricochet? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking, would that count as Cassius Ono? <laughs> Walter <laughs> Ricochet. <laughs> but yeah, um, he is, I'm, I'm really great, Jeff Cobb. I think he's amazing. But uh, yeah, Yes, New Japan, their side nailed it. Ring of Honor, not so much. There were a few bright sparks, I think, as I said, with the world title scene and Jeff Cobb. But overall, I felt down on Ring of Honor. I tweeted out during the show that nothing they've done made me want to check into their show. There's a reason I only watch like two Ring of Honor shows a year, if that, and I don't like the majority of what I see. Maybe their show type of show is just not for me. Which is fine, because I've got WWE to try to keep up with this New Japan and I was, I was just uh, on the Social Suplex with NXT show before this. Uh, we just suddenly realised partway through the show, it was like, ah, I mean, it's good that AEW are doing their show, but how am I going to fit it in? <laughs> when am I going to watch it? <laughs> it's just, they do a two-hour show. How am I going to watch that? <laughs> Especially if SmackDown also becomes three hours, because that's what Fox wants. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh like... That's eight hours a week, excluding NXT and pay-per-views. <laughs> it's just, you, see, 
uh, skipping to Raw for a tiny second, did you see Dean Ambrose talking shit about the three-hour Raw? No, I didn't. Just his little going-away speech. Uh, yeah. After Raw rolled, he talked about having to fill three hours of Raw. And you definitely got some snippy, uh, angry tones from him. So mm. I love just the little the little acknowledgments. And that's one of them that Dean made was three hours is too much. You can't do two three-hour shows. One's too many. <laughs> oh, well, they'll get advertisement money, so the quality doesn't matter. <laughs> Long term, it does. They're seeing yeah. that now. Yeah, because <laughs> did you see yeah. what Raw's ratings were? Bad. Uh, so last year, the Raptor WrestleMania did, I think, 3.8 million viewers, and this year did 2.8 million. Mm. They lost a, a quarter of their audience in one year. Because <laughs> the interesting thing is, they lost a quarter of the audience, yet they're still like at the top of everything on television or cable, whatever it is, however it's split in America. As in, they're still the, if not one of the most popular shows. On. <laughs> yeah, but also fewer and fewer people are even watching cable, so being at the yes, top say of that is nice. not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my, that's going to be my next point. Like, It's good to see their YouTube numbers are still holding up, and they're a really good way to gauge interest. The best way to gauge interest is how many fans are turning up to the shows. And how many... Uh, in 2018, how many shows were half arena, including They've more? They've had a lot of half arenas. Yeah. But surely that tells you where the fan interest is not there. But financially, they're doing the best they've ever done. Yep. But in terms of actual interest from fans attending shows, not so much. So long-term, they've got an issue. And apparently, the biggest demographic that's dropping off is young young viewers and uh, women are dropping off the most. So that's not a good sign. That means they're not making new fans. <laughs> you women's main event. What more do you want? Uh, I don't know. Good one? <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah again... They've got some good things in there. It's just they need, really need to get iron out these bad habits. And it's most of them start with creative. Uh, pretty much all of yeah. them do, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't blame like, performers for almost anything that's oh, going yeah. wrong in WWE right now. <laughs> like the other thing for me, the big one is production. Like they really need oh. to stop cutting that much. As in, it it really does detract. It's, it's, it's a little. It's when they guess for me, it's where they're in a point. Well, I think I wrote this in my column as well, or it was when I appeared on a multi-person thing. It's the thing is, for me, WWE are in a place where they're having to win me back. It's not, oh, if they don't change, I will, I will stop watching it. No, I've already stopped watching. <laughs> this is about bringing me back. And I guess for these next couple of months, I will, I will actually watch the shows <laughs> so we can cover them. But it's at that point where they have already lost me. And... That's why I was talking about like what Lesnar retained. That's never, how's that going to keep me around? <laughs> but also, like one of the big things for me, maybe it's because I did film production at uni, so I was forced to look at these things. At the uni? <laughs> yes, I went to university. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the point being, uh, like the production side of it, like the numerous camera cuts, it's just like uh, there's a rule where if you've been on a shot for three seconds, you then ask yourself, why haven't I cut away? Kevin Dunn looks at that, and he seems like if he's not cut away within three seconds, he must cut away now immediately. That's not what the rule means. <laughs> if you have a reason to stay on the shot, then stay on the shot. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to cut away. And it feels like it... And there's that mental one where he did, like, 30 takes within, like, a 10-second thing, which was just insane. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah... The rule doesn't mean you have to change every three seconds. And maybe they're trying to get a, 
across the yeah, like I saw it at WrestleMania and it kind of jarred me. It took me out for a few seconds when I noticed it. But it's just when they cut so much and there isn't an, a reason to do it, I think that's the thing that kind of takes me out is they cut because those three seconds have hit rather than it's necessary to cut. Yeah, and remember after the big brand split, right, when mm. Ron Smackton were had different production teams, and they were really oh, yeah. experimenting and trying different things. And I appreciate that, even if they weren't all winners. But it seems mm. like they've homogenized again, and they've just gone back to the classics. They don't have, yeah. like, those uh, after-match interviews very frequently anymore. Like, some of the, like, superhero action-y things are gone, and they're just back to their weird fast cuts and missing so much action, which is insane. <laughs> You know, it's just the yeah the production has gone downhill. Yeah, they've got bad habits that need ironing out. I think that's how I'd word it. It's the same with creative. Yeah. There's some bad habits, and maybe Vincent Mann himself, where he's constantly Vincent's getting things to be written. Yeah, maybe it's bad habits that need ironing out, and it's through all of production. It's not just one or two people. It's a proper thing that needs ironing out. And hiring a couple of people or firing a couple of people is not going to change anything because those bad habits are still there. I mean, I can name a couple of people you could fire to change the product. <laughs> yeah, Let's, just, uh, we're we're an hour into the show and we have not even touched WrestleMania yet, so maybe yeah, we should move on. Yeah. Maybe. I was about to go on a whole other Kevin Dunn tangent. <laughs> oh God, no! <laughs> Guess we'll leave. I'll praise him before we go. The video packages that he makes are amazing. That is that for me. That's his true calling. He is so good at the documentaries and especially the video packages that he puts together. Like yeah, I worded it. Monster video is still like the best. Mm. And of course, uh, for this WrestleMania, even the uh, the triple th- the one I did for the women's triple threat, I worded it on Twitter as it was good enough to wake me through blurry eyes. <laughs> like I could still, yeah, I was knackered at like half past five in the morning, and that that video package woke me up and I was ready. <laughs> so that's it. That's my credit to him. Right. So WrestleMania, I'll blast through the pre-show. Tony Nese beat Buddy Murphy, Commander won the Women's Battle Royal. The Hawkins and Ryder beat the Revival and Braun Strowman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, I thought I'd try and blast through it to <laughs> see if you would pick up <laughs> on the day. Yes, so the Edgeheads are champions again. So, Which, yeah. To, to be fair, if, if that's what happened, if they won at WrestleMania, they had their big cool moment, and then they dropped the belts immediately to the Revival on Raw, I'd been like, okay, cool, you had your cute little moment. Now you're gone again, and the belts are on the guys that should have had them. And it was just like a fluke. That's fine. The Revival doesn't get hit too bad by it. But then they beat the Revival again on Raw. <laughs> just like, what the fuck are you doing with your best tag team? Especially when there's no one else for them to feud with. I can't think of tag teams on Raw. Like the B team. Is the scene now, because they've beaten the Revival, is it the B team versus Hawkins and Ryder? Like, genuinely, who else is there? Lucha House Party? And then these are the guys we're looking at. The tag <laughs> division is going to have to get a serious revamp in the in the superstar shakeup. Yeah. Serious revamp because Raw's fucked and SmackDown's super deep. Yeah, that's why everyone's just looking at it, going, "They could just bring the rosters together, together." Like they're going to have to do the one thing they seem reluctant to do over these past like half decade, and that's fire people. As in, they're going to have to release talent, but merging things together so there's less less bulk to concentrate on that might help them in the long run but again we're talking about long run and WWE seem to have fallen into the trap of short term gains when you have shows entire shows to go by without Asuka on them or Shinsuke (laughs) on them you have too many people (laughs) Uh, there's a lot on this show which probably needed trimming again ironing things out the actual shows 
You have too oh, many yeah. people. If people oh, who are yeah. the top ten in the world at what they do can't even get on television on a three-hour show, you have too many people. <laughs> but finally, <laughs> Braun Strowman eliminated Colin Jones and Michael Che last to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, aka the Armbar. It was yeah, that, that was one of those that was always going a certain way. <laughs> and I, I saw somebody uh, on Twitter like, "Why wasn't Kevin Owens at least in that match?" And then someone just replied with just, well, surely it's better for him not to be in it because it was always going to be Strowman and the Weekend Update guys. So Kevin Owens was never going to be in that last little bit. So surely it makes more sense for him not to be there. Yep, 100%, 100% true. Then he gets his awesome thing where Randy Orton does his RKO and then Kevin Owens walks in and stunners somebody walks away the same. <laughs> that was quite funny. That, um, that moment was amazing. That was like the highlight of SmackDown. The fact that Kevin Owens just shows up and stunners someone. So funny. Uh, and just real quick, Braun Strowman's looking fucking ripped lately. He was in that's, such good shape for WrestleMania. That's not just me, right? Like, he used to be yeah. a big guy. Now he is ripped. And there's been a lot of uh, people saying that his booking has really devoured him as a potential challenger at the top. But he is still in the shape of somebody who should be up there in terms of like how WWE likes them. That's kind of weird. <laughs> but he, he, yeah, he looks like a star still. Yep. It feels like it wouldn't take much to get him back there. I they agree. Just, they just need a little word called consistency. <laughs> a little <laughs> word called winning several matches in a row. Yeah, like consistency and characters' motivation is not changing week to week to fit your pop convenience. <laughs> just, I'm a heel. Yeah. I'm a face. And if something happens on the show, it happened on the show. Don't pretend it didn't happen on the show. We all saw it. <laughs> just... If it was crap, work that into the storyline somehow. It's your own damn fault. <laughs> uh, where, where's that continuity, editor? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the main show. So my main thing for this is there is a really good show in here somewhere. You just need to trim out a lot of it. Like, if you watch this show with the matches you want and you pull out, like, three or four, then it's a good show, personally. Three or my four? Eyes. That's like a mini takeover. <laughs> like, as in... You've got a couple where it's nice moments, and then you've got a few... Like the For me, take out the part-timer one, even though it's a... It's WrestleMania, so that's kind of what it's kind of becoming a way, even though I feel like it probably shouldn't. But I don't guess. Well, this gets covering the show. It's <laughs> taking me long enough <laughs> to get to it. So, a shock surprise as we skip past Alexa Bliss and Hulk Hogan, and we go to the Universal Championship of Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins in a... Uh, Surprise match. So, what do you think about this match going first and then wrestling like a proper Brock Lesnar match as well? I loved that it went first. Uh, it's not the first time that we've had a world championship match go first, mm. but, you know, they should. You have enough championship matches that you need to spread them out. So, spread them out. Uh, the fact that this was, it wasn't really a classic Brock Lesnar match because he jumped Seth before he got in the ring and did a lot of damage, which was great. He only hit like three or four suplexes. Uh, and then I don't think he hit an F5 in the ring. He just hit the F5 out of the ring. So it really felt like uh, the last several matches he's had with like Finn Balor and AJ Styles, where it's you know him versus the little guy, and can the little guy persevere and eventually hit enough finishers to win? Except Seth's not Finn Balor. Seth is Seth fucking Rollins, and he can hit three stomps in a row and win the match. So it was over a little too quick, although on a seven-hour card, that's weird to say. But that match in particular was a little short. I would have liked to see him do uh, win the match a little more decisively to really put over the fact that he is the fighting champion. He is the guy on the show. Instead, it feels like he kind of, it wasn't fluky, but it's, 
it's not a great win for him either. I'm glad he has the belt. I'm glad the match happened the way it did, but it could have been better. Yeah, and then it was one of those where it felt like skeptical and all about the moment rather than putting on an amazing match. Yeah. Which over the show, that's perfectly fine. And of course, like you're getting your wrestling substance in the next match. So it, I think at least that was the plan. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, like having a big moment to start off a show like this, you're like, yeah, it's actually really good. And I love the idea of Paul Heyman, like, well, if you're not going on last, you want to be on first. It's like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. And apparently the uh, Butler really was on a plane to Las Vegas. <laughs> that wasn't a that wasn't a heel move. It's like, no, he's generally going to have his match and then going to Las Vegas. <laughs> That's a general yeah. thing that happening. <laughs> why, why would he want to hang out for five more hours? He <laughs> yeah. did the same thing the rest of the crowd did. <laughs> it just gets tired. And, uh, like, oh, John's on a helicopter. Oh, back to sleep. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, uh, yeah, it was an awesome moment. I really like the idea of um, Brock Lesnar, after what happened with Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar is immediately on the attack of Seth Rollins. He's not even going to let him get into it. Thought that was great, and he hurt, and then Seth Rollins is fighting back in. And Brock Lesnar, even though Seth Rollins did it on Raw, Brock Lesnar not counting for the fact that Seth Rollins really is winning to cheat in this match and use the low blow to get the uh, <laughs> bring him down. Classic Brock match. <laughs> like there's only two things that can ever defeat him, and one of them is getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> so even the Undertaker could only defeat him by kicking him in the balls. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Uh, but yeah um, Seth Rollins ends up getting the win and finally Monday Night Raw can move on and it's weird because it felt like this should have been like a massive sigh and yes we can move on finally with like a huge cheer of emotion of yes Seth Rollins is the champion for me it was this should have happened last year (laughs) and this should have already happened and so I don't feel any emotion I feel like well then for me it was this is the start now show me in the aftermath so it's one of those where, for me, Seth Rollins' win, how it's handled afterwards is more important than the night, even though the night was all about the moment. So, yeah, can... and, and going further back, like, Seth felt pretty inevitable winning the Royal Rumble. So oh. we're, we've already been on this path for, like, five months of, like, Seth's going to win the Rumble, Seth's going to win the belt at WrestleMania, and then let's see what they do. But we've been waiting for this for five months, not mm. just, you know, the two years, but literally this specific scenario for five yeah. months. So it already is so tiring. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, then, forget- and then Monday night rolls around, and we don't have a new contender yet. So yeah. <laughs> we're still I mean, in limbo. I mean, that's fine to do like special shows for the WrestleMania week kind of thing, and then you've got your shake-up, so it's like a weird thing where the wrestlers are kind of integrating onto the different shows, and then you've got your shake-up the next week. So I kind of find that it's like a limbo week, which is an interesting way to do it. And you, you do maybe do your call-ups with the shake-up. I don't know. How many calls have they done? Don't need to do any more. <laughs> oh my God, we just talked about that. They did eleven in three months. <laughs> and it's time for more call-ups for the shake-up because it's a new era, burn. It's another new era. Oh. Uh, right. So can we can we just do an actual draft? I don't want the shake-up where they like swap five people. When they did the actual two-day draft, that was amazing. I just want that every year. Do yeah, the whole fucking thing. It's so cool. Like the first time, I thought that was what they were generally going to do was you just see a weird draft type of thing on the thing, but then they said, no, superstar shake-up. I, like, oh. I mean, I like the drafts back in the day where you do the van, where you go through all the faces, and then, and then you'll go, boo, and, and then somebody's there. Oh, right, so Triple yeah. H gets drafted by SmackDown and then traded back to Raw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. It was, made the, it was fun to watch on the show. Uh, this one where they just turn up, 
I, I do kind of like that the element of surprise with the with what they kind of try to go after on more and SmackDown. Like overall, it's that thing of feeling of surprise and oh my god, it's this kind of thing, and they've kind of gone with that route as well with this with the drafts now or whatever it's called. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've gone off tangent. We're meant to talk about WrestleMania. So, second match AJ Styles versus Randy Orson versus Lights. (laughs) (laughs) The Lights won that one in a walk. So, if you don't know, uh, AJ Styles versus Randy Orson, everybody who was sat in, because there were red lights and yellow lights kind of alternating throughout the stadium, every person sat in the yellow sections couldn't see across the whole stadium. (laughs) That's half your audience couldn't see. Which is like, how did they miss that? Surely they sat in the seats while preparing yeah. and, and there tested it. There were a it. lot of chance in that match saying that they couldn't see, and it apparently yeah. took hours for them to kill those lights. And then on Twitter that night, and then during SmackDown, he was still making jokes and apologizing for it. So I love that oh, yeah, he went love... out of his way to apologize for it, even though it wasn't his fault. Yes, yeah, like both he and Styles have both been like, we're really sorry that we thought we had a really good match, and we thought we did pretty well with it, but. <laughs> like they're both both saying that when the fans are distracted and that loudly chanting something, it distracts the performers in the ring because like what's yep. going on? And he saw Randy Orton kind of pause and react to it a few times. Yep. But the match itself looked like it could have been great. It was just obviously hindered by the light thing. To which they both apologising. You know, it's not their fault, like you were saying. Uh, I felt like they both took it well. And for me, like the best way that it was taken was on SmackDown when Randy Orton hit his RKO and then afterwards did the hand over his eyes like, I can't see. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought the match was good, but I, I had higher hopes for it. I thought it was going to be the match of the night and instead it was just pretty good. Not great. So, a little disappointing, but um, I really loved the way that they just played with the RKO. The entire match was, can Orton hit the RKO or can AJ avoid it? And they did a lot of cool spots with that and in the end, uh, AJ avoided it long enough to hit the to, to get the win. So uh, it, it was a cool match. They have like a really good 25 minute match in them. Just, mm. you know, it can't be the Randy Orton match. So you yeah. have the Brock Lesnar match and you have the Randy Orton match, but what you need to have is Orton and styles in the styles match. Although I guess <laughs> the styles match is where he gets low blowed like Brock. So maybe they're the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think I said that last week. Cause like you had AJ styles and Shinsuke Nakamura feuding over your world title. Why are they feuding over kicking each other in the dick? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> that that Botchamania ending mania where they just have like nine minutes of oh. AJ Styles getting hit in the dick and like busting <laughs> over the ropes and stuff. I mean, it's so true though. Like yeah. how many of his main events and how many of his title matches did you ruin with garbage? You have the best wrestler in the world. Just let him fucking wrestle. Yeah, with the played as well. It's so good. <laughs> But match number three, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, as the Usos defend against the Bar, Nakamura and Rusev, and Black and Ricochet. It was a really good match. It was a really good tag team match. Lots of flippy stuff flying around, lots of energy, lots of near falls, uh, and eventually the Usos coming in and winning. Uh, Not really much to say about it. It was just a really fun match, but it felt good at third as well. It was a decent place to have it. And it was awesome to actually see the Usos get an actual match and, of course, they got the win as well. So it felt like an apology for last year, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, the match was really fast-paced. Everyone got their offense in. It didn't take too long to develop. The Usos got a win. It's all great. And then, like happened on both shows several times, they threw that all away by having the Usos drop the belt the next night. So cool. <laughs> oh, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Such <laughs> garbage. 
Oh, I remember, yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, why are they doing this? I think it got to that point with WWE where there is no logic for what they're doing, therefore I just de-invest. You know, me being de-invested has saved me so much angst. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The best thing I ever did was stop watching WWE just full on. <laughs> it, was, oh, it really helped. Recommend it. have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I improvised. I don't know what I did. How did I, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, there are several people in the columns forums when I write reviews, and they're like, I don't watch Raw anymore, but I read your reviews, so thanks. I'm like, that's weird. I appreciate <laughs> it, but that's weird. <laughs> well, I, I had that when I did my Raw reviews, where it's the same thing where they've just been disenfranchised with it, but enjoy my word writing. <laughs> it certainly says that. <laughs> More people say that about mine, for the record. Yeah, I'm on the main page now. Nobody on the main uh, page gives you nothing. Uh... <laughs> no, my videos are lovely. I'm lucky. That's true. The main page there aren't a lot of comments. We get like ten, fifteen, twenty comments on some on some columns in the forums. It, it depends what you write about. On the main page, what your title is is way more important because of course it will score like for the newsfeed. Yeah, like if you're Tito, he's built his brand so much that uh, him just being there will get automatically like thirty, forty comments <laughs> compared to someone like me, where if I get double digits, I'm really happy. <laughs> so like. Yeah. Which is funny because in the forums, if you just write a normal column, you know, you get some comments from the, the regulars and it's really great. It's nice and friendly. And then someone will write this weird abstract fucking crazy <laughs> column that doesn't make any sense. And it gets 400 comments and like column of the month and shit. And you're like, what is happening? I don't even understand what you're writing about. Was this even wrestling? <laughs> oh, the creative stuff goes over really well <laughs> in the forums. Like, like uh a lot more of a rope to, rope to play with. That sounded weird. <laughs> like, well, a lot more, yeah, a lot more room to play with and you can do, be creative. Whilst on the main page, creativity quite often just doesn't get a good response <laughs> at all. <laughs> but a clickbait title, yeah, that's why I've got the most responses. <laughs> just a clickbait title. Society yeah. is going to compensate for this at some point, but for now, the clickbait title is king. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going Moving to, on. Uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, falls count anywhere, The Miz versus Shane McMahon, the match I had zero hopes for, but birthed the meme of Miz Dad being up for a fight against anyone, <laughs> which is brilliant. <laughs> and the uh, way they, the brawl actually ended up being really good, you know, the perfect climax. I thought it built really well and gave you a thing of, oh, well, that was quite a big bump for Shane McMahon. I think he'd like was thrown over a rail and hit the uh, something on the other side and fell off of it. That was one of those where, I mean, on a different night, that could have been enough as, oh, he's gone, Miz wins. <laughs> Something like that. But they were building to that awesome thing. I said it last week where I was like, they could go Undertaker Triple H from 2001 with this, where they've got the construction set and they do a spot on that. Uh, but they did that way better than they did for Taker Triple H. Cause I don't know if you remember, when uh, I think Undertaker chokeslammed Triple H and your immediate reaction was, oh my God, he's dead. <laughs> then they showed the other <laughs> angle and he was right. like, oh, no, he just landed on a big pile of blue mats. Why did they show me that angle? Same as <laughs> Shane and Undertaker, Shane's big elbow off the cage, right? Like, oh, yeah, the, yeah, he showed the one that. angle and he broke through the table and they showed it on the replays. It's like clearly there are those exploding cushions underneath. Yeah. yeah. I thought the construction set looked kind of shitty and it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. I skip, This was the one match of the night I kind of skimmed through because I had no mm. hope or expectations or interest in it. I don't want to watch Shane McMahon wrestle for 20 minutes at WrestleMania. I don't want to watch him wrestle for five minutes at WrestleMania. I want to watch The Miz wrestling Daniel Bryan. That's what I want. So, you know, watching him brawl and watching his dad get involved again, it's just, 
I don't care. I'm sorry. Like the match was fine. It was kind of entertaining, but I, I don't know. I don't care. I feel like too much, too many nonsense <laughs> matches on the card. This and Triple H Batista, like you don't need both of those. I think I said for me in this feud, Miz's performance has been like really good and really consistent. It's just that because it's with Shane McMahon, I automatically don't care. And it felt really corny as well, obviously, with their tag team, which with a full-time wrestler, it wouldn't have felt that way. But because it's Shane McMahon, it doesn't... <laughs> and this entire feud, for me, the face in The Miz was really working. And I will say, even though it was Shane McMahon, I feel like The Miz, his character arc worked really well to the point that the reason he did what he did to Shane McMahon and the fact that he would rather injure Shane McMahon than win the match, that's like a massive character moment for The Miz. And I feel like it worked... It's just that, yeah, the fact it was Shane McMahon, <laughs> it kind of just took out of it. <laughs> Shane McMahon, yeah. best in the world, bully of ring announcers. Great. Cool. Oh, I'm glad you're still on the show. And then when I was watching SmackDown, I was trying to time it because I, I was like, this, this can't be true. And I was pretty certain that Shane McMahon had the longest segment on SmackDown. Oh, he might uh, have. Because he did that whole thing with Greg Hamilton and getting him to say the thing. And it just went on his whole, it was like, why is, out of everyone, why is Shane McMahon getting the most time? <laughs> also, is... where are any of the faces? I get that he's the boss, but like they're picking on the ring and answer. He's being a dick. Someone go kick Shane's ass. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I will say, I, this match took me by surprise. I thought it'd be uh, with a Shane McMahon jump, but it wasn't. And uh, I did, again, I did like the uh, Mrs. Character Art moment where because what the Miz is like, the fact that he would care less about winning and more about injuring his opponent that's a massive character arc for the Miz, and I feel like he'll be better off for it going forward if he can kind of get some of that aggression into his babyface character because his initial babyface run lacked like any aggression. <laughs> it was exactly like Charlotte. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, Charlotte with her aggression, she is like I would rate her as the best. I was going to say the best wrestler in on the main roster, uh, maybe as in like the entire package. In terms of like character as well as like the actual like wrestling, in terms of how fun is it to watch, Charlotte Flair to me is like either the best or one of the best in the company. And her, her getting that aggression is just when she wrestles, it feels it's so easy to get invested in her matches, and, and suspend disbelief. That'll be the word that's better actually. It's really easy to suspend. <laughs> After oh I just God. said that's really easy to. He's say. so tired. To be fair, it's like two a.m. and. Yeah, it's half past two currently, <laughs> and this is my second pod of the night. <laughs> and he's not going to have a clock at all when Brexit goes through, so... Yeah, the, the, uh, because the clocks belong to Switzerland, <laughs> so once Brexit <laughs> wow. happens, like, we, don't have, we don't have any time. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of time, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, the Women's Tag Team Championships, the first defense of WrestleMania, uh, Banks and Bailey, whatever they're called, Nia and Tamina, whatever they're called, the Iconics, Natalia and Beth Phoenix, so I want to say the winners are the Iconics. There seems to be a lot of split with the Iconics where you like me and you love them or you absolutely hate them. Are, there, are you one of the rare people in the middle or are you one of the sides? I love their characters and I think their ring work is below average. They're uh-huh. really slow and really awkward in the ring, but I love their characters. They're so irritating. It's so good. <laughs> it's very Vicky guerrero what they do. Yeah, I feel like they're really good at the character side of it. Uh, Wrestling-wise, I feel like sometimes maybe the nerves get to them, because I saw them in NXT, and I was like, well, I could see you being good in NXT. 
He was thought he'd be good in the uh, Asuka, Nikki Cross, Iconics match. They were good in that. So I have seen them be good. It's just quite often on the main roster for some reason there's a bit of sloppiness. Yeah, I don't I know why it, that is. I find it really disappointing that the Hug and Boss connection, which is like the worst tag mm. team name ever, won the championships, talked about defending the belts everywhere, talked about defending them on mm. at NXT, and that was going to be so exciting. And then they dropped the belts to like the second worst tag team in the match, although basically nobody's good except Bailey and Sasha. So... Mm. Um, it's really disappointing that they dropped the belts already and we didn't get to see those NXT, you know, random championship mm. defenses. I thought that would have been really cool. Uh, two things in this match. Um, Peyton Royce's ring gear was fucking awesome. The ode to Eddie Guerrero <laughs> with the black with the, the oh, colorful yeah. flames was super cool looking. Uh, and then this is what I, I referenced earlier, my surprise announcing of the of the weekend. Paige was awesome on commentary. Oh, yes, yes, she was, yeah. She was spectacular. Like, her and Renee, when Renee's the number two commentator in the booth, instead of the number three, she's really good. When she's the number three and she's just chipping in, like, her and... God damn it. People's names are escaping me. When she's number three and she's just interjecting, it's really irritating and she's not that good. But when she's the number two, like she was in NXT... Much, much better. Corey Graves, that's his fucking name. Because Corey talks <laughs> over everyone, just like Michael Cole does. So, oh, when Renee's yeah. number three, not good. When she's number two, she's really good. And Paige was really good as the number three, just pitching in that little bit of flavor now mm. and then. Yeah, she, she has perfect confidence when, she, when she's uh, on commentary. She had lots of little insights. She was great. I would like to see her more on commentary. But, you know, what we saw from her on SmackDown was maybe something else. Yeah. <laughs> I also like this is a little thing where she didn't seem afraid to take the piss out of what they were wearing because it's <laughs> WrestleMania, obviously. Because <laughs> normally WWE is so PC to the point where they're a bit scared to take anything apart, and then Paige coming in there with the British off. We don't have that, <laughs> so just taking the piss out of. If anyone's ever listened to our commentary for the Eurovision Song Contest, she reminded me of that where we're just ripping apart the competition whilst watching it. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> just taking the piss out of Europeans. That's what Paige, it is for me. <laughs> Paige justifiably does not give a fuck about anything. What she's oh, gone yeah. through in her life, what she's accomplished at her crazy fucking age, she does not give a fuck about anything, and it's great. Love in a way, that's, that could be like what, because like CM Punk was so good on commentary for a similar reason, as in when you, you watch the NXT stuff, it's pretty clear he didn't give a shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> But that led to like some of the best commentator moments of the decade, <laughs> just because he didn't care. Uh, and I feel like Paige could be a similar thing, where because of, yeah, all the bullshit she's been through, it make yeah, she could make a very good commentator just because she doesn't really care that much, <laughs> and that would really help for that kind of position where you're constantly being shouted at. <laughs> yeah, where Michael Cole is yelling about how historic every tiny thing is and how amazing it is, just shouting over everyone all the time. Yeah, you need someone who's just a little more chill and like, yep, this is a thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I also advocate for what you said. All right. So, all right moving on so to the page, halfway point. <laughs> page 2019 is Renee 2018. <laughs> oh, where everybody's calling for her to be yes. the commentator, and then she gets on it, and then you realize, oh, Oh, she's got the words written for her. <laughs> she can't <laughs> be original. She's going to chuck it. We're starting. Well. We're starting the page for announcing bandwagon right now. <laughs> well, well, I'm not. I'm having coughing fit. <laughs> but Burn is. Burn's doing it. Right. I feel like it's time we do the match that gets us to the halfway point. <laughs> so, the WWE Championship: Daniel Bryan defending against Kofi Kingston. 
they finally did it. <laughs> so this is one of those where um, I wasn't sure how the match was going to go. And of course, it's in the back of my mind of Booker T back in 2003. And the fact that it's, it's something that's never happened, that it kind of nags away at, like, they really should do this finish. Everything's telling me they're going to be doing this finish. But because it's <laughs> WWE, I'm not <laughs> fully in there believing they will do it. But the Kofi Kingston finally becoming the first Af- uh, African-American-born uh, WWE, uh, first African-born WWE champion, as far as I know, and the first African-American to ever leave WrestleMania with the championship. Or, or with a world title, if I'm right, which is just insane to think about. <laughs> it's just, it's never happened. And Kofi Kingston's the first one. I think I got a bit tongue-tied there. Wow, what is happening over there? It is way too late. You are way too sick still. Yeah, it was historic for a lot of for a lot of reasons. A historic Mm. night, and you know, unlike WWE when they normally claim that, it was actually true here. It was Mm. also great to see. You know, I think a lot of us thought that all three big face challengers would win championships, but this was the match where you're like. They could fuck this one up. They could still keep the belt on Daniel Bryan, which would be great because Daniel Bryan's great, but, like, this is Kofi's moment. Come on, just let him have this fucking moment. Mm. And they did. They built him up for a month and a half or a month, however long Ali was hurt. And, mm. uh, you know, now he looks like a fucking superstar. I don't like the commentary that, like, he's one of the three best wrestlers in the world after he's been the third leg of a, you know, uh, a fun type a team. Yeah. A fun tag team for three years. He's not one of the three best wrestlers in WWE, but he is on a crazy roll, and that's what's really important. And the thing that WWE fucks up so much, and what they did well in the Attitude Era, is you can take a guy, you can build them up for three months or six months, and you can make them a star for that amount of time and see if they can if they can carry that momentum. They did it for Mankind. They did it for other guys at various times. Sometimes they become superstars forever. Sometimes they just have a really good run. Hopefully this is Kofi's really good run. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to just say, we're building Roman, so for the next six yeah. years, Roman's the only guy that matters. <laughs> Build someone for three months and let him, let him run. Let him get some good wins. They don't have to win every match, you know? I mean, that's essentially what I did with The Miz on SmackDown, where they just let him have a run. And now look at him, yeah. he's kind of like a made man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <coughs> I will say, what really helped this match, uh, not only did it have like the whole storyline, which they'd kind of fallen into, and it still had quite a lot of momentum and emotion tied to it but it was also really well wrestled this is that's actually caught me by surprise that you got to see essentially ring of honor daniel bryan <laughs> like this is you got to see indie daniel bryan have an amazing kind of mat wrestled match in a way where the the counters and the, everything was so smooth as well like kobe kingston kept up i think that's the thing i probably found most surprising what well, they had like an awesome daniel bryan match but he kobe kingston kept up and was brilliant in it as well and it built up the tension so damn well to the point where when Kofi Kingston is locked in the bell lock, <laughs> he just, if, again, it's that thing of they could muck this up because Kofi Kingston happens to be a black man and therefore that's enough <laughs> for WWE to muck it up. And it's just like the outpour of emotion when Kofi Kingston finally won and finally overcame Daniel Bryan. It was, it, it's like, it, I got the impression Daniel Bryan had a lot of rain on the agency of this match just because of how wrestling focused it was, yet also tied in the story so that it was so emotional come the end. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, totally agree. And 
I'm not saying Kofi's a terrible wrestler. Kofi's a very good wrestler. He's just not top three in the company. But if you give Daniel Bryan a very good opponent and you give them 20 minutes to work, you're going to end up with a really, really, really good match. And that's what that was. That match is the only match that is even comparable to the NXT TakeOver Mm. matches of the weekend. The only match on the WrestleMania card that's in that discussion. Mm. Which, again, that's a high praise for this match. (laughs) Because normally you're not talking about, you're talking about no matches are like it. (laughs) (laughs) The fact we're saying that is kind of like praise. Yeah, the only we see doesn't like main main roster WWE, but we're saying this match is as good enough. Your match was almost as good as a developmental match. (laughs) (laughs) But the uh, other part being just the outpour promotion online after Kofi Kingston won, which was awesome to see. Uh, Rich Latter was saying that he didn't know whether to uh, just cry or scream or flip over the table just in pure release of emotion. (laughs) It was just, just. like an awesome moment, awesome moment in a way. Like I can never relate, obviously, but like you know, even a, an English person winning the world championship, it's, it would never feel the same. There is, there's no way I can really relate. But just seeing the outpour of emotion was absolutely incredible. Uh, so, congratulations to WWE for not mucking it up yet. <laughs> it was an amazing moment <laughs> on yeah, the night. I mean, the night was too long, and they gave too many minutes to some matches. But they didn't fuck up the card like having oh, yeah. Roman. It's one of those. It's when I say like, there's a really good show in here. It's just that it needs a lot of ironing out of things. <laughs> <laughs> it is there, and I say if you stop watching the show at this point, you've had an amazing show with an amazing main event. Stop here. <laughs> it's just that you're about to hit a lull. <laughs> this is an amazing place to stop. <laughs> We're about to hit the, and then they started fucking around part of the show. <laughs> right, so I don't know whether to take an ad break before I do it. No, we'll just blast on. We need to finish. <laughs> so we got Hall and Nash taking real good care of the SNL weekend update, guys. That shit was <laughs> I love that. I know people are like, they're stupid wrestling. Like, that's the funny wrestling that's just amazing. Yeah. Come on. It, it only took yeah. two minutes. It took two minutes. Let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, they normally do this at WrestleMania, and I do like them every year. Uh, <laughs> those those two things. SNL guys, terrible actors. They're like some oh. of the worst guests. Oh, yeah, because, um, yes, they're SNL people, but their Weekend Update, they don't take part <laughs> in the actual sketches and things, so they're not the ones doing much acting. They right. are... They're writers, and they're reading shit off a teleprompter. <laughs> they were not yeah. good. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's... it's I liked that Colin Jost had Braun Strowman faces with them crossed out all over his leggings. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I mean, they tried. They just sucked. <laughs> yeah. And Michael Che, aware of the danger, was kind of like hooded up and trying to hide. <laughs> <laughs> like, there were a lot of there were little things in there that worked. But yeah, I was fine with it being on the free show. <laughs> that was a good place for it. Yeah. Uh, so now we got a United States Championship match. Calling it a match is a bit of a... <laughs> so looking at the card we all knew one of these matches is getting shafted which one is it the answer was Samoa Joe Rey Mysterio well, but, well, it's, the thing that kind of feeds into it is that Rey Mysterio did have an injury going into this week so it's one of those where if early on they were knew they had to cut time this one was probably a top candidate then he got injured <laughs> it's just like ah I mean he's going to get his entrance because Rey Mysterio has got to retire having done a Mysterio entrance. <laughs> How has he not done Mysterio before? <laughs> He's uh, finally done it. They, uh, yeah, this this match ended the way it needed to. Injury or non-injury, Samoa Joe just needed to fucking squash someone. Oh, yeah. 
Glad it happened. Glad it was to Rey Mysterio because I don't really want to watch him wrestle very much anymore. Just seen him for too long. I watched him in WCW, watched him in WWE, watched him when he left. I've seen every Rey Mysterio match. He's slower. They're, you know, more exciting cruiserweights at this point. Can we just move on? Uh, he's a great guy to uh, have a really good match with an upcoming talent like he did with CM. Like have him have an amazing SmackDown match. He did at that point in his career where if he does like he did last year, I feel like that was a great use of Rey Mysterio. Uh, it felt a little bit weird with him being the number one contender at WrestleMania, but it was it was yeah he lost in quick fashion to the current guy, so I can't really complain. Uh, Samojo comes off as a badass. It feels like this is like a uh, building of his title reigns legacy. The issue is immediately after it happened, I was just like. I mean, this would be an amazing championship reign legacy building moment. The issue is, WWE don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) After WrestleMania, I have zero faith that his title reign will have a great legacy. (laughs) I'm expecting him to drop the belt before SummerSlam. (laughs) (laughs) But on on SmackDown, to be fair, uh, we'll just skip to a tiny bit of SmackDown here. Uh, He got interrupted by Braun Strowman. Yeah. And Unlike every other fucking heel in the company, Joe stood his ground and brawled with Braun, at least for a while. That was very impressive. So I like that, you know, at least his character is being slightly consistent. He is a fighter. He's not scared of anyone. He might leave after he realizes this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> but he didn't cower yeah. out either. He, he stayed and stood his ground, and I appreciate that. Yeah, so Mojo is one of those guys who could have had a top spot on this card were it not for the fanatic thing with the part-timers. Which is going to be there next year as well. <laughs> There's going to be guys who suffer once again. <laughs> a part-timer yeah. match is fine. Even a longer-ish part-timer match is fine. Just not 30 minutes with this combination of guys. Mm. <laughs> All right, so next up was Roman Reigns of Drew McIntyre. So I tweeted at this moment, this show, I really like the momentum and the United States match after the such emotion-filled Kirikisa match, that made sense as well. However, we're about to enter a four-match Monday Night Raw streak. <laughs> Where, like, if this show's going to lose momentum, it's this four-match streak right here. And I was right. Hooray. It did. It did. <laughs> so Reigns-McIntyre was a Reigns match. And that was, that's fine. But being the eighth match on such a long card, I had no time for it. Like, I was zoned out. I really didn't follow a lot of this. I was waiting for it to end. Which is, I, f- I feel like I wanted to get behind Reigns, but then as soon as he started wrestling, I was like, yeah, but I can cheer for him cheating, uh, beating Kanto. I just don't enjoy watching him wrestle, and that's not changed. <laughs> so it yeah, hit me during this match. Yeah. And his character has not changed. That's the thing. Drew yeah. McIntyre is a fucking monster. Roman is coming back from a serious illness. The ending to that match is Drew beats Roman. The ending to that match is not your monster <laughs> heel that you need to build up for the future, loses to the guy who just came back. That's fucking stupid. This is terrible booking. <laughs> it's one of those, if you, if you take the realism into it, it's terrible booking. It's one of those where it's WWE and you go, yeah, the guy's just beating Kanto is no way losing. <laughs> they, they, they are no way are they going to do that. But, right, yeah, but so, he, he showed no weakness. That's the thing. Like, if you want them to root for him the long term, like, you got to give him some weakness and some relatability. Oh, the yeah. problem is the same problem that we had with John Cena. It's the Superman complex. He can't mm. win every match easily. He should be dropping <laughs> yeah. matches occasionally. This is the perfect one to drop to put Drew over. Nope, Roman's got to go over. I would say, if it was New Japan, the likely scenario is Reigns losers, just because they'll build him up for next year, as in he wasn't ready, shouldn't have taken the match, that kind of thing. 
then you've got Vaze's story for this year where he builds himself back up to be that number one contender. Uh, again, that's something where it only works because you're looking long term. You're looking to next year. And you're already thinking, what's the main event going to be for next year's show? I do not get the impression <laughs> with this at all. Like, right. yeah, it's just like, this is just, we'll give Reigns a showcase match on the show. And I didn't really think any more than that. And then they wrote it for Monday Night Raw. And they basically told the story you were just saying, which then means that the story doesn't really make sense because Drew McIntyre has won every other time, even won that week. Reigns doesn't look any stronger. <laughs> in, Drew, Drew is turning yeah. into the new Joe where he loses every big match and it's a fucking oh. travesty. Yeah, like he's, an, he's awesome at what he does, but he's not the guy they're trying to push. <laughs> so he will be used <laughs> and eventually... Yeah, Which is insane because they are going to push him and they're going to give him a belt. <laughs> and at that point, we're going to say, yeah, but everyone has beaten him. Mm. So why do I believe <laughs> him as a champion? Because uh, after watching SmackDown this week, quite a lot of people were making the point that Drew McIntyre moving away from the Shield guys is probably a very smart move. <laughs> Just get him away from them, be it one of them moving or him moving. It kind of, it, it's been feeling so much with them, it makes sense to move him. Yeah, I've not really got anything else to say on this match (laughs) it was disappointing in the way that it was booked and it was you know a match that just didn't need to happen which yeah i say a lot (laughs) it's that disappointing realization that that i can support the guy but i just don't enjoy watching him wrestle and that's not changed unfortunately uh next up we got elias and elias and elias (laughs) <laughs> doing his amazing <laughs> together thing. I saw quite a, some people on Twitter going, what the hell is this? And I'm just watching going, this is glorious. <laughs> this was the highlight of the night. This whole <laughs> thing was the highlight of the night. <laughs> Him, and I, I was, and, uh, quite a lot of people on Twitter were saying, I'm really surprised they've not made a joke about Elias playing with himself. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so then out came John Cena in the Thugonomics gimmick. Yeah. The first time. They were trying to play it off like it's the first time since the gimmick was, has happened that he's done it. And it's like, well, aside from The Rock, you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, apart from when he's done it like the two or three times since. But yeah, so, yeah I'm fine to go with it. This is a cool moment. And uh, yeah, of course, I, yeah. I heard the music, and at first my brain just couldn't process it. I'm like, yep, John Cena's coming out, and about like six or seven later, uh, six or seven seconds later, when he's actually doing the, the, the lyrics, I'm like, Oh, oh, all right. I mean, the fact that he came out in a fucking Yankees jersey is oh, yeah. insane to me. What are you doing? You're from Boston. I get that you're trying to be the face, but, like, just wear something else. And they didn't, didn't do a whole video about the Yankees as well. That's <laughs> right. You become the thing you hate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he even got to say the word shit, though, meaning, and he meant shit, and he said it, and he didn't get bleeped. <laughs> It was so great, talking about his bush and, oh my god. (laughs) It was just that perfect line walking that he used to do on SmackDown. This was one of my favorite segments. So funny. It makes me sad that Elias just, like, can't have anything nice. But, you know, this was funny, at least. Uh, I guess the bright side for Elias is on WrestleMania weekend, he had segments with John Cena and The Undertaker. It's kind of like... He's going to be fine. Vince likes him. <laughs> he got segments I mean, with those two guys. <laughs> you say that, but at the same time, Rusev kept having big segments with people, and where'd that get him? Oh, Rusev brought a tank to a match with John Cena at WrestleMania, and that dude's in, like, the eighth most important tag team on SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, he loved him whilst he was Russian, and then Rusev was like, you know, you know I'm not Russian. Can I be not Russian, please? <laughs> like, he kind of... 
stereotyping an entire section of Eastern Europe, can I please be not Russian? <laughs> Is it fine? But I'm not pushing you. <laughs> NXT UK. <laughs> oh, I like Rusev. He's just he's one of those guys that um, I, I made a joke last week, just saying. Yeah, for me, Rusev could be one of those guys that no matter how the year goes, he always somehow finds a way onto the WrestleMania card. <laughs> like for Rusev, for whenever he's been fit, he's not missed a WrestleMania, <laughs> which is weird to think about because he's not been pushed since his first year, but he's always found a match, <laughs> which is quite incredible. True. <laughs> so may that reign continue, Rusev. <laughs> you always find a way. <laughs> oh, and we've got the uh, European... I was going to say the European Union, but I don't know if that's going to be... <laughs> of uh, the bar and Drew McIntyre, and then you can have Rusev as well, and you've got your Team Europe. Uh, the House <laughs> of Commons, as we discussed earlier. Oh, yeah, well, who said? Yes, the House of Commons. <laughs> they shall lord over America. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, yeah, awesome segment there uh, with John Cena and Elias. <laughs> yes, from the performance to John Cena's rhymes. <laughs> Great moment. Which then led us to... Give me what I want. The match. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted this. <laughs> so I personally, I think I'm like, for me, Heel Batista is my favorite Batista by a for mile. Sure. And he, sure. he left at an amazing peak, just at a point where fans wanted more of him because he was so good <laughs> in that heel run. And the way he left as well, just screaming into the microphone while I was sat in the wheelchair in, back in 2010, it was just like, oh, that was so good. He left on such a high. Uh, this year, I personally really liked the way it, the character work and the way it was done. The Give Me What I Want moment was obviously very memeable. <laughs> <laughs> Give me what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's Triple H doing the Spice But the way it was introduced, the way that um, Batista did on the Go Home show, I thought all of it, all of that was done really well. It felt like he had an input in the creative side to it. And he, he wanted to retire as a heel and have his match with Triple H at WrestleMania. He got all of that, which is great to see. However, I agree with the vice of the Palm Samuel Plan, where he made the point that the biggest issue was putting this on ninth on a show of this length, and the match was that, that length. Oh, my God. Yeah, it means when you, are, when you are watching the show, the fatigue has hit, and this is the worst <laughs> time to have this match. But the entrances will lift you up. Batista tripping over and falling into the ring was amazing. <laughs> but as I tweeted, to be fair, that's probably how an animal would that's, enter the ring. It's funny because <laughs> I missed that live and then I saw the I saw the replays. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, he did. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he tripped into the ring, which was great. <laughs> Triple H's Mad Max entrance. It, well, it, it was fun to watch. <laughs> I'll give him that. Uh, oh, and someone made a point of Michael Cole always knows how to make a uh, segment uncool. Because it just showed uh, the car coming up with Triple H on the back of it. It showed the symbol on the front of the car. And then this light started flashing green. And it's kind of like it's building up to uh, Triple H now. And then Michael Cole goes, how cool was that? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's purely like a dad. <laughs> it's like, oh. Now Your mom going, it. bling, bling. <laughs> like, how cool was that? Well, now zero cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> Uh, but the match itself, uh, people on Twitter at the time were taking the piss going, they're doing a Jerry Stenella Spring Bake match with this, <laughs> randomly doing an indie hardcore match. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> they, they, randomly at WrestleMania, they start doing a death match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
they've done this for several years with Triple H matches where they, yeah. they're putting him in these spectacles. They know that either he or the other guy can't go the way that they need to, but they still put them in these long-ass matches that take way too much time out of other people's matches. <laughs> and in the end, like, did anyone really want to watch 25 minutes of Triple H versus Sting? No. They wouldn't want to watch 30 minutes of Triple H versus Roman Reigns? No. We keep getting these monster fucking Triple H matches. This is why people are proposing splitting WrestleMania into a two-day thing. Triple H can main event WrestleMania on Saturday. Have your yeah. 30-minute Saturday match. I want Kofi and I want Becky on fucking Sunday. Mm. <laughs> it's really weird where New Japan have been having the, uh, this type of length of show now for a little while, and they've already split their show to two days. <laughs> and they've gone, the show's too long, we're going to split it. <laughs> so we can get everybody on a grand thing. Yeah. This match was the match that fucked yeah. the car. This is the match. This was the doorstop that left the door open and made the match too fucking long. 30 right, yeah. minutes for Triple H versus Batista at that pace, that type of match, with only like two matches left to go, horrific. This was a yeah. terrible booking decision. And this is this is the Triple H where people are like, yep, he's still got his fucking shovel and he still has got to butt his fucking way into everything. As much as we love you for running NXT the way you do, and as much as we have hope for the future, like, Max Landis is right. When you're in the picture, you ruin things for everyone. <laughs> but it's, yeah, for me, if they cut out 10 minutes, that might have been fine. Cause that I thought, should have only been 10 minutes. <laughs> I thought the start was great, where Triple H was just being crazy with the toolbox. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, that's a nice nose ring. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> and then he actually pulls it out. Oh, that's phrasing. <laughs> he, actually, he pulls the nose ring out of Batista, and the picture there was actually hilarious. It's supposed to be really serious, but then Batista, obviously he's looking down at his nose, so he goes cross-eyed, and then he's screaming. <laughs> so it turns into a really funny picture. Yeah, but there's yeah. a good 10-minute match in there, but the problem is the 20 minutes where they're laying around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the beginning, as I was saying, was great, and the end, I thought, was great. Uh, it's just the bit in between... Just so that I yeah I can't I can't tell you what happened I don't know what <laughs> happened in the middle maybe that's because nothing happened nothing or, happened <laughs> like I can't remember did nothing happen or did I lose attention and stop <laughs> to stop watching the match no uh, nothing okay. happened that's it <laughs> uh, so that's why I can't remember anything happening because nothing happened uh, after that hot start as well where it was being so creative and everything to then just stop and go back into slow long Triple H match. Yeah, like if they're going to do this match, don't have it on ninth. <laughs> it, just, it will slow the thing to a crawl. And that, again, as I, was, as I tweeted out before it got to this moment, it's, like, it's just like, this could drag this show down, this segment. Just, I just see not very fast matches happening here. So that Good was a shame. Yeah. yeah, but Batista got his farewell, and he seemed really happy, and he's like at peace with WWE. He got to go out on his own terms. I've been saying his promos, but he generally did get to go out on his own terms. Uh, and we get another Triple H match next year. Or we get another one in Saudi Arabia. Ah, I'm not going to watch that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Neither me nor Bernard will watch those shows, but they'll be there if you want them. <laughs> Happy for Batista that he got to go out the way he wanted after the Batista, mm. you know, Shield vs. Evolution stuff that he wasn't very happy with. Happy for him. Sad for us. But, you know, overall, happy for everyone, I guess, slightly. Speaking of happy for everyone... Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin. Hey, you're we're gonna we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. <laughs> so, Everyone fucking hates this match and the fact that it exists. It went exactly like it should have, and I am happy it existed. Personally, I do agree. It's just because it came after Batista Triple H. 
<laughs> so well, I was this is the perfect time it. for that, though, right? Like, you have the long-ass mask that no one wanted. Now you have the short mask that no one wanted. <laughs> Get him out of the way. I think the only issue for me was I knew there was still the Intercontinental Championship to come. So I was just like, I'm ready for the main event now. I've been ready for the main event <laughs> in a while, and I've still got two more matches minimum to get through. <laughs> so it was really weird because I really wanted to enjoy Lashley Ballow as well. Because when I was watching that, I was like, this isn't a bad match. And for me, Angle Corbin wasn't booked badly. It was booked right. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was just that I found it really difficult to care or get invested. And it felt like I was just waiting out the time because I was ready for the main event. Although it was like half past four in the morning for me. <laughs> so like when I say I'm ready for the main event, it's like, I am ready for the main event or I'm falling asleep. <laughs> it's one of the two. <laughs> Corbin won. The right guy won. Uh, Angle was, you know, degrading as he has been. But, you know, he, he hit some spots and he lost the match. And it, it was like six minutes or so. So it was totally fine for what it was. But, you know, following Triple H, it was, you know, 40 minutes of shit that nobody wanted to watch. So that's a problem. And that really drug the card down. Corbin and uh, Lashley, or sorry, Lashley and uh, Finn <laughs> Balor was, I know, too much. Finn, <laughs> Finn and, and Bobby Lashley was interesting. Um, the entrance was cool from Finn. Getting that huge lift was cool. Oh, yes. um, the problem with this match existing is the fact that it happened at WrestleMania. It happened after the 40 mm. minutes of boredom, before the big match, before the main event. And it's a match we've seen five times. Yeah. So it's fine to have a feud that goes into WrestleMania and a feud that's months long. The problem is these two guys have actually wrestled one another over and over and over and over. Yeah. You can't have that. You can have, you know, tag team matches with them opposing one another, you know, Finn wrestling uh, Leo Rush. You can buy time, but you can't have Finn and Lashley wrestling each other 12 times and then wrestling again at WrestleMania. Hmm. That's stupid, and that's what happened. Uh, we've not seen the demon versus yellow Bobby, you know, yellow-eyed Bobby. <laughs> just, he just turned yeah. around and was like, is he yeah, cosplaying? As... <laughs> he just turned around like, is he cosplaying as Zeus? <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah, then, he, he, got yeah. into, he got into Roman's contacts. <laughs> like, he's got the yellow contact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he did that, didn't he? That's really weird. He, <laughs> just he had blue eyes for his first year wrestling. <laughs> when he doesn't have Blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those where I thought it was a good match. I thought both guys did put on a good performance, but yeah, it's the same issue, same issue as the last one, where maybe if I go back and watch this show and I just watch these last three matches, I won't think so badly on them. It's just that on a match of this card, the pacing and the momentum of the card has fallen off a cliff. And I am now in a thing where I do not care. I want to watch the main event even though they are putting on a good match and Lashley, Lashley's spear through the ropes was great. It, yep. it, it was built up to really well that moment. But it was just that, yeah, I didn't care about the match because I'm ready for the main event. <laughs> After the string of matches, that didn't really add anything to the card and just continued happening. I mean, also, yeah. the biggest moment of that match with Bobby Lashley's spear through the ropes is a thing that I see Big E do every week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then it looked, yeah, it looked cool. It looked big. It looked awesome. But it says, yeah, it's a spot we see a lot. It's different since Lashley's bigger, so it feels more impactful. And they, the angle they got for it was a great angle. True. But to do that with Big E, it's the same effect. <laughs> it's just a gamma angle. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but yeah, I feel that's why I feel sorry for that match. 
as in, they both went out there, did a good job. They were just in the worst spot of the card, <laughs> which this, like, this whole area just kind of falls in on itself. But yeah. that doesn't mean when the main event rolled around, finally the attention has perked back up. Ah. <laughs> it's exhausting just talking about WrestleMania. <laughs> it's taken us so long, we're, we're just clocking past the end of the second hour. It's taken us that long. <laughs> we're, we're not going to have time for Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> quickly, we'll have to quickly mention them after this. Yep. So, with so much happening, we then got a really long shot of Charlotte Flair flying in on a helicopter. Which, to be fair, I felt like this entire part was done really well. We got Charlotte flying in, then you got the lengthy promo package, and then you've got the entrances. I felt like it built really, really well. Uh, it's really an odd thing throughout the night of champions, like hardly any of, the, any of them entered first, uh, entered second, sorry. <laughs> champions are just entering first all the time. <laughs> it's about really weird. Yeah, the traditionalist fans and us hate that. <laughs> but for my other part is, if you go to do that, at least be consistent. So at least they were consistent. <laughs> I'll give them that. <laughs> Even on the pre-show, the champions entered first. <laughs> so there's consistency. Certainly they can work with that. Uh, but yeah, it was... Yeah, I thought this match, everything from the, uh, yeah, from uh, Charlotte Flair flying in all the way to just before the muck-up, <laughs> I felt like this match, it felt like a main event. It felt like it was in the right position. All three women generally felt like main eventers. The promo package did an amazing job of hyping it up. Charlotte Flair, of course, flying in the helicopter, it feels like a WrestleMania entrance. Like, it's such a grand way <laughs> to, to walk in. I don't know about you, but I generally thought for a second the helicopter would land in the stadium. I thought or, it was going to. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, ah, yes, with so many fireworks. Obviously they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, it was so much pyro and fireworks set up. Yes, it's probably wise they didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not forgetting the, what, 80,000 people in the arena. Oh, that's my other favourite bit. Because <laughs> um, when they announced the, the number of the attendance and everybody starts cheering and I'm on Twitter going, yay, arbitrary number. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, yeah. Alexa Bliss, great hosting job. <laughs> you were used very well. <laughs> Brought out somebody to uh, reactions and then uh, announce a number that means nothing. Right. We all know it means nothing at this point. Right. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, we went back onto the main event. So I really enjoyed everything. And then the actual pin took me off guard, but it makes sense now I think about it because Becky Lynch had tried to get on the arm bar so many times that it just wasn't working. And even when she got it, she did manage to lock it on. It wasn't doing enough to actually win the match. So it makes sense, kind of like Velveteen Dream, where in the end she just resorted to a roll-up and it worked. It just so happened, unlike Dream Riddle, they kind of mucked it up a little bit and the way Becky rolled over her way accidentally lifted Rousey and it just mucked up the pinfall. <laughs> so. Yeah, I saw reports that it was intentional and then I saw reports that it was accidental. I don't really care one way or the other. It's just kind of janky for WrestleMania to end mm. that way. But if we're going to finally get, you know, Becca, uh, Becky versus Ronda one-on-one, I'll be okay with it. Whatever. The match was very good. Um, it was kind of the pace that I expected where Ronda would come in and hit her spots and then she'd get thrown out and, you know, Charlotte and Becky who can actually wrestle extended matches wrestled extended matches. So the, the structure was expected. The right person won. Thank God Becky won. She's double champion, which is crazy and also really stupid because Charlotte should never have had that belt. But, you know, this is going way past what we should be talking about. 
it was a good match. It was not a great match. One-on-one, that match could have been great with Becky versus Charlotte or Becky versus Ronda, but instead we got the triple threat because that's what WWE wanted. Um, but the right person won, and it main evented, and those were the important things. Yeah. And it got 25 minutes to work, right? So yeah. it, it wasn't a rough job. <laughs> yeah, it's a match. This is the one that deserves 25 minutes. Yes. And Yes. And it was it was awesome to finally have a main event where I was invested in all of the characters. Like I, I like I was excited for the match. The promo beforehand got me really excited for it. All three characters gelled really well together. It's one of those where we always knew, even though the storyline just got so complicated. <laughs> it's just they're trying to do a shock thing next week, and then doing a shock thing the next, and trying to do trying to do a shock thing every single week has led to a point of it being unnecessarily convoluted and over the top. Yeah, but that was. All, that was horrible in the short term, but mm. it it ended up remedying the oh, problem yeah. that Lashley and oh, uh, yeah. Finn Balor had, where they were interacting with one another, but they didn't have fucking matches with each other week after week, <laughs> so the match yeah. felt fresh. Yeah, and it's one of those where we all knew, come the night, the match was going to kick ass. Like, it would all come together on the night. The, the build didn't really matter. It, it's one of those where it was so hot, they just needed to make sure it didn't lose momentum like too much to the point where it didn't feel like a main event. That didn't happen. It feel, felt like a main event. It was a awesome show. My brain's turned off. <laughs> I mean, at least it was a main yeah. event that didn't get booed. That's a nice change of pace. Yeah. What, what's that been? It's <laughs> WrestleMania. It's been a couple of years, yeah. WrestleMania 30, technically, because Roman Reigns bought Lesnar ended up being a really good match at 31, and Seth Rollins came in and uh, the greatest heist of the century, or decade, whatever they called it, that was an awesome moment, and it ended WrestleMania on an amazing holy shit moment. But 30 was the first one, which uh, was the last one, which wasn't just booed from like the entrances. Yep. Wait, it's been that long <laughs> since we've had the entrances absolutely cheered for. <laughs> it's, just, it's great to finally see it back, even if it's just for this one year. <laughs> it's nice to see. Ah. Do we so burn? There is a good WrestleMania card in there, but you have to yeah. cut out like the last hour and a half minus <laughs> the main event to get there. And even then, it's still too long. That that card, if it's five matches, is a great five matches, which is what Takeover does. Yes, yeah, I just I was like, oh, we didn't get anybody on the card. Yeah. Oh, oh, we got to put Aaliyah on the card. We got to fit <laughs> her match in. That's what WrestleMania does, and NXT does not. <laughs> oh, I not forgetting the. Damn. <laughs> not forgetting that it also calls back <laughs> former NXT stars to also star in the show. <laughs> Just to True fill story. it out as well. Huh? I died. Of... Story. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> as I said, my brain has turned off. We'll see how this next bit goes. <laughs> so, more on SmackDown. Quick notes. Don't have time for me to, or brain space for me to continue with this one. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything from the Monday Night Raw show that you desperately want to talk about? Uh, so there's only a couple things that matter. Uh, Dean Ambrose, final match uh, uh, in WWE against Bobby Lashley, ends up not being a match. He, <laughs> Bobby Lashley says, don't worry, I'll take care of your wife, which is horrible, <laughs> and <laughs> then beats up Dean Ambrose. So, you know, cool that Dean Ambrose put someone over that can't be put over on his way out. That sucks. Uh, Dean had a nice little video package at the end where Seth called him out after the show and he gave like a nice little five minute talk to the crowd. So that was nice and touching. It's a fucking tragedy that Dean Ambrose is not in WWE anymore, but they ruined him. So cool. Thanks guys. Um, and then the big main event uh, plus opener of 
Kofi Kingston challenging Seth Rollins to a title combination in the main event. Seth accepts. Crazy, awesome, historic, you know, only happened once other one other time in history. Uh, they wrestled for three minutes, and then the bar interrupted, and the crowd was fucking done. <laughs> the yeah. crowd was so over that as soon as the bar interrupted that fucking match. Mm. And then Seth, we get the, the Teddy Long special. The, now it's a tag team match, and no one fucking cares at that point. Mm. The one exciting thing that could have happened was thrown away. So that's the Raw yeah. after WrestleMania. The bar one other thing. Seth and Kofi. <clears throat> well, there's one other thing. Uh, Sami Zayn, his return and his speech were True. brilliant. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, to see. It, it was his version of the pipe bomb. Yeah, uh, not quite as impactful, but it was. Yeah, it, was it worked. His version, and he tried. It felt like a really good first step at establishing this kind of new character for him, and it felt it felt like it was really working already. Like he felt like a big deal with this new yeah, kind of thing. It was which, better on Raw yeah. than it was on SmackDown. Oh yeah. Oh, someone made the point on Twitter that both of his entries this, this week was if he was a drunk arriving late. <laughs> Brilliant. That is funny. So on Raw, he came out and he gave his like seven-minute pipe bomb about how they're not worth it and the fans suck and mm. care about them, which sounds generic, but it was delivered really well after an mm. Intercontinental title match with Finn Balor that was very good. So uh, Sammy did very cool stuff on Raw, and then on SmackDown, he interrupts the main event for two seconds and says, nah, you're not worth it, and flips the mic and moves. That's just <laughs> Uh, for me, that's not that bad if we've not been having this lazy evidence thing for months. Oh. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> from that thing where I'm now kind of sick of somebody's music hit and then walking out <laughs> and going, nah. <laughs> I've seen it every episode for like three months. <laughs> and the they finally... Evans stuff is so stupid. She was in the Royal Rumble, she wrestled, and then they're like, nah, we're just going to have not, you not do anything for the next three months. Cool? Cool. <laughs> like, to be fair... It's a lot better than the other NXT call-ups from her little bit I've <laughs> done. Sure <laughs> it hasn't been beaten. <laughs> it looks like Lars Sullivan is... It's really weird. For the for the Lars Sullivan reaction in, for me was... It's like, boo, you've attacked Kurt Angle, boo. But well done at defeating beating anxiety. So whatever... Let's put whatever emoji those two things create. <laughs> like a boo, but yeah. I've never been a big <laughs> Lars Sullivan fan. He's fine, but he's being played as a monster on a show that has legitimate monsters and it's going to be tough. Like mm. he can't be on the same show as Braun Strowman and he can't be on the same show as Drew McIntyre. He can't be because those are legitimate monsters. And even putting him on the same show as like Samoa Joe is going to be tough. So I don't, I don't really know what they do with him. He's in a really tough spot. Like he worked really well against someone like Killian Dane in NXT. Oh, one time he worked really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he can work really well in that kind of environment. It's just how they use him. And the issue is, he can work if handled really well. The issue is, oh, for like hell, are WWE going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NXT barely pulled it off. Yeah. The, the potential is there, I think. Um, I like how he looks like um, an old Russian wrestler but sounds like Edge. It's an interesting mix. <laughs> He's got the, I mean, like um, when Edge was being like a crazy heel kind of thing, <laughs> where he's just, a bit lost his mind. Uh, yeah, he gives me that kind of vibe, even though he's got the weird farmer tattoo. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's fine. He uh, he has potential, but as you just said, a lot of his potential comes from him being pushed as a monster, but he's not a monster at all, compared to a lot not of really. people. <laughs> yeah. In NXT, yeah. yes, but on Monday Night Raw, like, no, he'll be dwarfed by a lot of them. That was <laughs> 
SmackDown, nothing really happened, right? Like, Becky got sucker punched by Lacey Evans on Raw, and then she got sucker punched by Lacey Evans on SmackDown, so cool. Uh, there was a New Day tag team match with The Bar and Drew McIntyre. That was cool. So the, the only cool things that happened were, like, Drew McIntyre showing up on SmackDown, Braun Strowman showing up on SmackDown, and then Kevin Owens hitting a stunner after Orton hit his surprise <laughs> yeah. RKO. That was cool. There were, like, cool, tiny little moments, but it felt like the NXTs after NXT takeovers where they just show yeah. like a match that they filmed previously and then a bunch of promo videos and nothing happens. WWE doesn't normally do that with Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, but they did it this time and it just felt so empty. I think that's with the superstar shakeup being the week after, it really does feel like those NXT episodes where like, we're going to get a proper episode next week. It felt, felt like that really for both of them in a way. And it feels like it's the one time where WWE seemed to be putting future thinking ahead of kind of like the current business where Raw after Mania has become such a hot ticket it feels really weird to just throw that away <laughs> right <laughs> yeah <coughs> like right can, it's super weird yeah because they can bump up the prices and maybe they're thinking is oh it's because we're WWE we're Raw that's why the hot ticket is so hot it's like oh but the show around it felt special and that's what, what kind of make it like a hot ticket if it's just like another Raw or it's like the NXT afterwards. Like, who's going to pay loads of money to see the NXT after TakeOver? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Just, and the yeah. thing is, like, the NXT or the, sorry, the Superstar Shake-Up is cool. Love it. It makes things exciting at least for a little while, even if it's a gimmick and they don't actually use it very well. <laughs> it's cool. But the thing is, like, you don't have to do that to WrestleMania. You don't have Ooh. to wait. You don't have to waste the week after WrestleMania. Give it a pay-per-view. Let the blow-off happen. Let people get their rematches. And then move on to the shakeup, and you've burned a month, which is good. You spent, you didn't waste one of your big guns right after WrestleMania, which is your biggest gun. Like, I space think, it out a little bit. <laughs> uh, the other thing with the shakeup is it seems to signify a switch in which show isn't, which, which show is a pile of crap <laughs> to watch. Because uh, we had the Jinder Mahal era, and in that era, mm-hmm. more started to get decent when he had Samoa Joe climbing the card as, uh, as well as the uh, Broad Strowman climbing and Reigns was there and Lesnar with a really great SummerSlam match. That's when, we had, yeah, with Jinder Mahal on SmackDown, just, SmackDown went to crap. <laughs> AJ Styles lost all of his character. It just became bland babyface. <laughs> so much bad happened. Bobby Roode, he was having his debut year. <laughs> a lot of weirdness. But then in 2018, Raw became a chore to watch and then SmackDown became really good. So that means now we've got to switch back. So we hope you've enjoyed SmackDown this past year. Because <laughs> as, as the tide goes, SmackDown's now ready to become crap again. Yeah, we're basically <laughs> so. getting back to the normal SmackDown's getting too good time to pilfer it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really, I've, no, I've not understood because immediately I've, my first thought is, why can't they both be good? <laughs> why can only one be good? It's really weird that it switches <laughs> so blatantly as well. So... <laughs> I was going to see if we had enough time, if we were going to take some, some wagers on who was going to get switched around during the Superstar Shake-Up, but we don't have the time, so maybe we'll have to do this offline or something. Yeah, we have the time, but I don't have the brain. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, I think I agree with you. Maybe I'm not quite fit <laughs> to be up to 4 a.m. That's okay. We'll, we'll do it over email or whatever, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it on the next show, which I will be yes. on. I will be here next week. Yes, so by when we come on next week, we will be announcing who's won our kind of shake-up bet, which we, we've done for the past few years. <laughs> They're always really fun, and there's always a punishment assigned to it. 
Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Burn, it's incredible. He never wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm not doing anything super smart. <laughs> oh, gonna, it's just the look. Right, I'm going to get you this yeah. time. You can, yeah. <laughs> But if I don't get over this illness, maybe. <laughs> maybe oh, he's building in the excuses already. <laughs> oh, no, no. Before before the fight, I broke my foot, so I wasn't able to... Uh, uh. So I took a risk that you'd seen the news about Conor McGregor. <laughs> so that the answer was no. Uh, what, him wanting a WWE run like every... No, oh, was that? No, he he said, he apparently said that um, before the fight with Khabib, he'd broken his foot. Oh, dear God, shut up. To which I'm immediately like, that's the exact same excuse David Hay used when he lost. <laughs> like, I've seen this in boxing, <laughs> this exact excuse. It's like, oh, I would have beaten him, but I've injured my foot. Oh, my God. Except the loss, dickhead. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'm going to try and inject life into myself to sign off. <laughs> so, uh, myself and Bill will be back next Thursday with coverage of the WWE Superstar Shake-Up. We'll reveal who won our bets and all the fun within there. So expect to see us there. Uh, but also do check out the other shows on Lords of Pain Radio. Uh, Fridays is the right side of the pond with Mav, Plan and Mazza. Saturday is all about All Elite from the men who bought you the WCW Legacy Series, Miz, Fan and Shane the Mystic. Uh, also we've got a... I've not told Burn about this. Uh, either tonight or tomorrow, Lords of Pain Radio will break 7 million listens. Oh. So, so we're doing a 7 million special. We account for at least six million of those. <laughs> yes, even though we didn't join until a few years after it started. We are the heavy hitters. <laughs> but, but yeah, so we will be doing that on a Saturday is the plan. I don't know which Saturday. You need to be scheduled and organized. I know Doc's really up for the idea, so he might actually get me going. <laughs> to get uh, so speaking of Doc, he is now on on Sundays with the Doc Says uh, with a wide variety of topics coming your way. Uh, because he's fallen off a WWE a bit. He talks about wrestling as more of a whole, which is kind of cool to see. Uh, Monday nights is Kingdom of Honor with Jan Man and his friend Jeff talking about Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Tuesdays is the global revolution as the wider world of wrestling gets its spotlight. Again, this week's episode where they were talking about uh, WrestleMania weekend, it's like the biggest weekend full of so much stuff. I think they might have split it into two. I need to check that. So I highly recommend checking out that show these next couple of weeks. Uh, live after Smackdown is One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd. Uh, Wednesdays is Plans Sports Entertainment is Dead. And then, as I said earlier, Thursday, you're back with me and Burn. Hooray. Yeah. Hey, I didn't look any of that up. That's the most smooth I've talked for about two hours. Hold on a You can follow me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. You can't follow Burn. You can read his columns, though, <laughs> in the forums. <laughs> uh, Square Circle is saying as of two hours ago Sasha Banks tried to quit over the weekend oh well <laughs> she seems well it's one of those where I'll take it with a grain of salt because I know that all, she wasn't on she, Raw she, she, well she wasn't on Raw she seems to be on like a vacation kind of thing and uh, she did post a weird like kind of depressed sounding like post hmm. so I don't know if that's reading. If, I don't know if that's reading, looking at what's happened and then making something up, or if that's like legit. So I'll take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Hard to say. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's an amazing joke happening on Twitter of uh, who's been who's been blocked by Slice Wrestling. <laughs> it just is one of those accounts that it has an ability to read foreshadowing and then puts that together with making stuff up. <laughs> so it's one of those outlets where those 
people, whenever someone's uh, asked for a source, they've just like blocked them, <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, I've not been blocked. In fact, their old account still follows me, even though I've been publicly taking the shit out of them, <laughs> taking the piss out of them. <laughs> right, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to try and yeah. cover. Hopefully, I'm back by this time this week. Hopefully, I'm able to write a column on the shake-up or something, uh, for, or a preview or something <laughs> for Monday. Maybe we'll, if me and Burn get our shit together, <laughs> we can do. I can put the previews into that column for Monday. Maybe. See how it goes. We'll give it a shot. And with that, I find the theme tune <laughs> to close it, and I bid you adieu. And so does Burn. See you later. Adios. Hmm.